0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Buckeye Dance Discuss. I'm Josh. And I'm Andy. Andy, how you been, my friend?
1: Hey, we're we're back at it regular. That's it's nice to be back uh just two weeks, you know, after we recorded the last one. So that's fun. Nothing has broken in the house or the vehicles in the last 24 hours so that's certainly an improvement over the uh the week that we had previously <laughs> so we had both cars in the shop we had the water heater go out all in a span of about a week so should everything everything is brand new so we should be good for a little while here so can't complain how about you
0: oh yikes yeah that sounds awful um yeah so we got a call today i got a call today from lazy boy i had uh purchased a recliner a uh, replacement recliner in i don't know like june maybe for my birthday i think and they told me that it was going to be about 11 months or so until the recliner came in wow. and i i really just forgot about it uh you know and just said oh, okay next may whatever i got a call today i was like oh your recliner's in <laughs> i was like oh okay i i didn't think i would be getting it this soon so uh so yeah i gotta I got go pick that up but uh uh per you know, we got our first recliner ever, never had one in the house growing up. Uh, and we got one when we moved into our house in 2013. And uh, it, that thing is was just the best piece of furniture I've ever owned in my entire life. So very excited to have a replacement back in the house.
1: I picture you falling asleep in a recliner probably four to five nights a week. Am I right on that one?
0: yeah i mean before i was getting treated for my sleep apnea it would be like it would just be automatic like if it's 7 30 or later uh and i'm in the recliner it was just a godsend when the kids were babies as far as uh you know holding babies getting them to fall asleep they take a nap i take a nap it's a win-win situation but yeah so very excited to have another uh, member back in the house so very nice all right uh to give you guys a little taste of what's going to be coming in a future episode, we're going to, we're going to, you know, give everybody a little time to read the book. I am not very far at all. Uh, haven't even really started too much. Uh, you and I, as we discussed in our last episode, uh, got copies of Kirk Herbstreit's book out of the pocket football, fatherhood and college game day Saturdays. Uh, so you and I are going to read this and we will have kind of a book review episode. Uh, probably, my guess is towards the end of September, uh, Well, we'll go through the book and uh, give our thoughts on it. Again, it's topics that are very central to the show. Uh, we love Herbie. We love Ohio State. Uh, so I'm pretty excited for this one, Andy. Have you started yet?
1: Yeah, I think I'm five or six chapters in. I've been trying to take it a little bit slow and and take notes, you know, because I know that I want to make sure that I remember the things that I'm reading when we get to actually sit down and talk about it. But, man, it's a good read. So it's I've, I've had to go back and like reread a couple of chapters because I'm reading it just for straight enjoyment. It's like ah, uh, you should probably go back and take some notes on that. But it's it's great so far,
0: and well, I can't wait. Yeah, that's great to hear. I probably I probably will just yeah uh, I don't know maybe I'll I'll read it and then just you know put some flags in there and then come back to some points to take notes on later. Uh, if it's as good as you say it is, I'll probably just devour it in a couple of nights and then go back and and prep before the episode. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. Just some stray items, cleaning up and and adding on to what we talked about in the last episode. Last time we talked about Jeopardy arriving at their permanent host, uh, executive producer Mike Richards. And then uh, Mayim Bialik was going to be on for the special tournament type uh, shows. And since that's happened, uh, Mike Richards is now out as host of Jeopardy. So I'm going to go into a little bit of how this came to be. But Andy, first thoughts when you saw that?
1: Yeah, honestly, this is going to be exciting for me too because I just saw that he was out and I honestly have no idea why he's out. So I'll be learning along with the rest of you guys and you'll get some live reaction because honestly, I have no idea why they kicked him out. I just know they did.
0: So I'm curious to see like, again, if there's some kind of conversation to be had about like the whole cancel culture thing. Uh, I don't really think so. And I think most of the time, uh, you know cancel culture is actually just people suffering the consequences of their own actions but anyway so what happened you know this decision gets made that mike richards somebody you know who was relatively an- anonymous uh, he's the executive producer of the show he had worked in the game show industry uh, and was the executive producer of the price is right uh, for many years uh, he comes in he's you know charged with finding the next host He throws his hat in the ring. He's one of the guest hosts. And lo and behold, the executives over at Sony decide this is going to be our permanent host, uh, mostly. Uh, And so it's kind of fortuitous on my part. Um, In some of the podcasts that I listen to, there's a writer uh, by the name of Claire McNear. She's a journalist reporter, uh, and she works for The Ringer, which I consume a lot of Ringer content. And uh, she had she's written a book about Jeopardy, and she kind of got to talk to Alex Trebek in his last days. Uh, that might be something uh, that we throw on the book review list later at some point. Uh, Tre- but Trebek
1: has a book that's fantastic that he wrote as well once he got the diagnosis and he kind of knew the end was near and he wanted to tell his story.
0: Hmm, maybe we'll do like a double a double Jeopardy type episode then with both of those books. But um,
1: Trebek's book is great.
0: So anyway, what happens was you know. The- Uh, you know, they arrive at this decision that Mike Richards is going to be the host. And of course, you know, you're who is Mike Richards, you know, you know, you got Aaron Rodgers, you got Ken Jennings, you got LeVar Burton, you got all these people that, you know, are much more, you know, you got Anderson Cooper, these people are much more well known in the public sphere than Mike Richards is. So anyway, so Claire McNear gets the, you know, reporting and interviewing a bunch of people who worked with him uh, on the Price is Right uh in in the Jeopardy uh you know show itself. Uh basically this decision was like a clear like morale killer amongst the team. Apparently he was not really well liked. Uh but the thing that largely seems to have done him in uh is again pretty pretty hilarious considering the fact that you and I have this podcast. Uh, Uh Mike Richards was the host of a podcast called uh let me make sure I get this right. I believe it's called the random show the umb ending uh and basically he's he co-hosts this podcast for about a year it only goes for like 41 episodes that are available online uh but uh, claire went and listened to all these podcast episodes and so basically he says a lot of like misogynistic and you know racist type language uh particularly around you know some of the 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 female uh workers who work at the Prices Right. He's commenting about their appearance and the clothing they wear. He gets them to wear, you know, more risque outfits and whatnot. Uh, so basically, it just seems like people don't like this dude. He's involved in some lawsuits by workers that work there. Uh, this all gets publicized. Again, it doesn't seem like there's a huge like Mike Richards, uh, you know, like there's not a corner of people who are like diehard like, oh yeah, Mike Richards, he's my guy or whatever. And so essentially, what happens is Sony says. Oh, hey, we're cutting bait with this guy. We're going back. We're having another round of guest hosts. Mayan Bialik uh, is going to be the first guest host again in the next round. And then we're going to search again for uh, a new host. Mike Richards is still employed with Jeopardy as the executive producer. And he had to go to some, I believe he had to go to sensitivity training. And he has a minder who like, I think just helps him not put his foot in his mouth uh so long story short uh essentially he talked a bunch of shit and said a lot of dumb things and now he's no longer the host of jeopardy
1: yeah that sounds about right listen if you're jeopardy especially there's lawsuits out there how, how have you not done your due diligence on this i mean it sounds like it's your own people speaking out saying they don't like this guy you never thought to ask around like hey is mike a good guy
0: well, I mean, allegedly, and, if you put him in charge to, to find the host or whatever, you're like Mike Richards. We trust you to find who the next host is going to be. And I guess you didn't watch the Watchers, uh, as it were, and really do your due diligence. So, yeah, um, I mean,
1: I think that that's a fine reason to to say, Mike, you're you don't got the job anymore. But I mean, I think it makes Sony look pretty stupid. There's, the whole process seems like it's been pretty mishandled. If that's the way it went down, to say you know, you're in charge of it, and to not even look into the guy you put in charge of it, and then to, for everybody to just green light it, and then some things that seem like they'd be relatively easy to find out came out. You gotta do your homework a little bit better there, Sonny.
0: Yeah, so the really hilarious part was that, you know, after this piece, you know, towards the tail end of this piece being written, you know, Claire, of course, does her due just, uh, diligence and reaches out to Mike Richards and, uh, you know, asks for his comment. And immediately afterwards, he pulls down all 41 of the episodes off the internet, deletes everything, except, you know, it's the internet and nothing ever dies. So it had all been backed up somewhere by, a uh, in a place that the ringer had access to it. So just, you know, just what are you doing again? You know, we, I guess, you know, Gen Z and generations after them will know that everything was on the internet, but, uh, man, what what are you doing? Mike Richards.
1: Yeah, that's, that's not a great look. I mean, I, I'm assuming he probably threw his podcast episodes in the same garbage can that all the people that said they're going to get vaccinated once the FDA fully approves the vaccine <laughs> are, are throwing those tweets that they're disappearing real quick.
0: Oh, excellent. Uh, yeah, the, yes. The, the a, internet remembers. That's a preview for things to come later in this episode. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, okay, Andy, in the spirit of, of Mike Richards being an idiot, uh, I have two questions for you uh one is there any is there any podcast segment that you want to throw in the garbage bin of our podcast i can't
1: stand the sound of my own voice so once it comes out of my mouth i usually forget it so if i were to go back and listen i'm sure there's some things i've said that i'm like if i listen to it again i'd say that was stupid but i don't know how you guys put up with this voice but i can't stand it so i guess i'm gonna stick with no just because i don't even remember what i say half the time
0: yeah there's nothing that jumps out at me that's like ooh again like i am uh I live in the same house as our show's editor. Uh, and so if there is anything that that I, uh, you know, go back when I'm doing show notes and, and whatnot, and I'm like, ooh, uh, or she gives me the, do you really want this to, you know, you know, be in the podcast? Uh, there isn't really anything. I would say if I had the name, the two things that that sort of jump out of me, if I consider this question. One, as I've already said on the show before, um, I think my in particular, my instant reaction to uh the january 6th uh insurrection and kind of what happened afterwards especially with some of the police stuff like probably was like on the borderline of things that maybe were a little too flippant and but nothing again there's nothing that particular that you know haunts me about it and then i would say that our uh that our valentine's day list of celebrity crushes kind of just became us drooling about women so yeah you know whatever i mean that's maybe not our best list that we've ever done though it did give us you know your man crush of tom hanks and my man crush of benedict cumberwitch so. oh
1: no, no no matt damon was on that list oh no, matt tom damon
0: hanks. i think yeah uh, yes thank you if matt we're doing damon. best
1: actors is tom hanks but if we're doing celebrity crushes is matt damon Who's also number two on my actor list. Not that we've done that one yet, but
0: <laughs> all I, right.
1: I, I, I stand by all that.
0: <laughs> you're you're my ideas, man. You're giving me positive energy for future <laughs> episodes. So
1: That's what we thrive on.
0: Okay, so then the second thing that comes out of this is, I, I was thinking about this. I was having a conversation with somebody. Um, do you have any problematic fandoms in your life? And what I mean by that is, do you have anything where like you really like like you know a creator an artist uh, an actor's work uh, but that person themselves is troublesome in some way or they have some troublesome content and i'm gonna let you chew on this a little bit because there were three that i came up with for myself in order i would say three is jk rowling uh, the author of the harry potter series Uh, so this isn't something that like i've read them and i like them i by no means a harry potter person there's quite a bit else in the sci-fi fantasy genre that I find much more appealing than her work but I know I live with somebody who who loves who loves her work and I know lots of people uh, both in my personal life and just across the world that love Harry Potter Uh, JK Rowling just like decided that she was gonna hate trans people uh I, I don't know if you've ever been exposed to that since this is not your neck of the woods at all uh, but she's just like blatantly like transphobic and, and loud and, and kind of proud about it. Uh, so she's kind of been, uh, you know, we you kind of just like shake your head when her name comes up and you just remember that you like Harry Potter a lot. Number two for me, uh, I, I think Louis CK is one of the like top my my top five favorite stand up uh, comedians uh, pretty much of all time. Uh, I think his work is hilarious. Uh, But he had so much work that was uh, basically along the lines of like, oh, look at how shitty men are to women. And then it comes out that he's like, you know, basically uh, performing all of these sexual acts in front of non-consenting women uh, in the comedy field who are lesser known as him. I have a Louis C.K. Pandora station in my app, and I I really don't listen to it a whole lot anymore, which is the same, so... Uh, Andy any stand-up comics that really kind of get you going problematic or just just in general
1: yeah we went through I
0: would say early in the
1: pandemic we went through a string where we were just watching a ton of stand-up comedy and honestly I'd have to go back and catch the so there were some people that I really enjoyed but it was people that weren't like the most famous people in the world so I'd honestly have to go back and check out the names but we we went on a pretty good run especially of female comics that were just I mean, we were like watching comedy every night, and I was dying. Um, I mean, Dave Chappelle, I think is just like one of the most creative people of all time, and a proud Ohioan, which makes him fit well on the show, and you know, of <laughs> course, endears him to me. But I mean, yeah, I'll I'd, I'd watch Chappelle like read a phone book. I think.
0: Yeah. So I think his recent stuff, uh, post hiatus. Uh, is not nearly at the level of his peak, but again, I do. I don't have a comprehensive view, right? Like I don't, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy and Richard uh, Pryor and uh, George Carlin, and you know, there's a lot of obviously really famous stand-up comedians, you know, both before and after. Uh, but I, peak, like prime Dave Chappelle, I think is the funniest person that I've ever, you know, has ever existed in the history of humanity. Just unbelievably hilarious
1: yeah i i mean i think a lot of Chappelle's newer stuff it's it's funny but i mean there's a clear message to it and i think it's such a great way to get his message across to do it you know you get people in with the comedy but like he's he's definitely making a point and it's a point that needs to be made um i mean he's he really gets and digs into police violence in a way that i think is accessible for people you know to to Come at it from humor is a little bit different than to come at it from you know lecturing those kind of things, so I, I think the way that he's able to get his message across while still being entertaining and funny is is a bit transcendent
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and again, like state of comedy is one of those things where like you can say you can joke about anything any topic, and if it's funny, like you get a pass now again like if you just if you suck and you're just gonna go up there and use a bunch of like you know you know racial slurs and just not really be funny or whatever like you can clearly like cross the line in comedy there's definitely this conversation that's come up in the stand-up world that's like you know are you still able to do stand-up comedy in 2021 or is everybody too sensitive or whatever like I mean I think you can make a joke about pretty much anything uh and as if it's, if it's funny and again you remember your setting I think it, it it's fine so <laughs> oh uh, so again on the topic of louis ck this joke is so inappropriate but i i have to tell it so uh there was another i think it was uh, i don't know if you're familiar with the work of anthony jeselnik at all uh stand-up comedy wise but he was on a show and he wasn't it's not even one of his jokes and he was just saying he was making that same point that pretty much any topic can be funny as long as your joke's like really good or whatever and the joke that he referenced for this is a Louis C.K. joke uh, that I've heard in his stand-up spit. And again, like, just just kills me or whatever. And he's, what's a topic that you think would be impossible to make a joke on? You know, and he picks, and, you know, he's like, oh, 9-11. And Louis C.K. has this bit where he's like, you can tell how good of a person you are by how long it took you to masturbate after the two towers fell. And for me, it was between you know before the second tower fell <laughs> it's just like again you could you could make anything funny you know on such a serious topic like again like i if i'm sitting down for a stand up time like cancer you know m- mental illness 9-11 if you do it in a smart funny way realizing that the, this venue is for you to push the envelope I'm pretty much generally fine with it, but you can fail horribly. And, and then, you know, that's the line that you have to, you know, that you have to, the tightrope you have to walk as a comedian. So.
1: Yeah, that's, that's gotta be real tough to, I mean, I'm sure it's always been, I mean, I think comedy has always been edgy. I mean, even if you go back, you know, a, a long, long time to, you know, like Lenny Bruce, I mean, mm-hmm. how far are you going to push it? I think comedy has always been a little bit about pushing people past their comfort zone. So I think that's probably been an eternal struggle for for comics. And well, sure, while the culture of today is a challenge, I think that's always been a challenge for comics.
0: And then my number one, which is like clearly, like again, like these other two people, like, yeah, you know, I can cut them out of my life or whatever. I have a Kobe Bryant jersey that hangs in my closet. Uh, obviously, this is complicated by, you know, his tragic and untimely death. Uh, but again, Kobe Bryant, beloved NBA superstar, uh, you know, the second best two guard that's ever played the game after Michael Jordan, you know, was accused of sexual assault. The criminal case was thrown out because the defendant refused to testify and he settled, you know, in Civil court for what was, you know, estimated to be in the millions of dollars ranges. He changed his jersey number from 8 to 24, uh, bought his wife a giant, you know, diamond ring and, you know, pretty successfully re rehabilitated his image you know especially kind of you know how close he was with his daughters uh but again like i like kobe is one of my favorite basketball players that i ever watched exist in a sport that i love the most but there's always that thing that's kind of lurking in the back of your mind like oh yeah by the way this also happened so with all that being said you you have anybody that kind of fits this profile
1: Listen, buddy. We talked about Mike Richards getting canceled for some stuff he said on a podcast, and right now, you just went on like fifteen minutes of problematic things. I think I'm going to let you be the one that gets canceled.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Come at me, people. Come cancel you me. Straight
1: under that bus? See ya. <laughs> no, um, I have two. okay. Number one, and and this actually goes back to one of our top five lists. When we talk about our top five podcasts, I wrestled if I wanted to put this on there or not. I decided not to, even though objectively, it's probably like number one on my list, but it's, it's spit and chiclets. It's a hockey podcast and it's on the barstool network. So I know barstool has <laughs> been m- much maligned uh-huh. and I don't have a strong opinion on barstool itself. I mean, as a company, what they've done, I mean, I don't think you can, argue that it's not impressive just in terms of like where they started to where they are, you know, as a company, the podcast itself, I don't think the hosts are, you know, they they don't endorse that like misogynistic kind of Dick Dave Portnoy culture that maybe Barstool in general does. So I'm not a fan of Barstool. I don't listen to anything else that they do, but I mean, these guys have the best access to the hockey world of anybody and I very much enjoy the show that they do. So that, that would probably be my number one problematic one. And number two is going to be Chick-fil-A. Their <laughs> politics suck.
0: Oh, that's amazing. I, that, wow, you picked a restaurant.
1: That's so out of the box. That's great. I've, like, tried to cancel Chick-fil-A in my own head, but I also have kids oh. who love Chick-fil-A, and they're so goddamn efficient that... I, <sighs> man it's tough it's tough to be a dad and cancel chick-fil-a like i want to they've done so many things where i'm like you guys are terrible but then you go there and they smile and they're all friendly and it's like god damn it the chicken is good so chick-fil-a is a tough one for me
0: okay so here's my feedback One on the on the hockey podcast like i think that gets a pass right like your your show you're trying to reach people that's not like you know the podcast is sponsored by like you know the my pillow ceo or donald trump or anything like that like okay like you need you need a platform to get your to get your show out i mean it's not great but i think it's enough steps to remove that okay fine uh the chick-fil-a thing is hilarious so like i was staunchly anti-chick-fil-a because as you know and as we've already litigated on this podcast fries are garbage didn't really have anything sideways except for fries. Their chicken is, it's good, but you can get good chicken at a lot of places. But then the mac and cheese came into the picture.
1: <laughs>
0: and a chicken sandwich and a large side of mac and cheese with a Coke is pretty much the perfect meal. Uh and so now I i can't really dog on them very much anymore because that is just oh uh, the mac and cheese was a game changer.
1: If you were a single guy, do you think you could cancel Chick fil A though?
0: Oh absolutely. Yep. Absolutely.
1: I, I i agree. If it were just me, I think I could cancel him. But as a dad, it's like oh it's it's tough. That's about that's about the only like fast food place of that ilk that we eat at. Um, it'd, be, it'd be tough that's like our go-to road trip spot like if we're driving somewhere and we don't know what else is going on it's like you know chick-fil-a is going to be there and you know it's going to be halfway decent
0: i what do you i i really want to investigate what do you think they would actually like to work there There is not a happier more polite you know outwardly facing group of people in the world you know than a chick-fil-a restaurant and i don't know how much you would have to pay me to be that nice to people for that long in that environment i i think i think like the muscles on my face would would start hurting from smiling and i would just be like i can't do this anymore i quit
1: yeah i mean i think you could offer me two hundred fifty thousand a year and i'd give it a good shot and they'd fire me because i don't have that kind of pep it feels if i mean this is just my opinion, but it feels very culty. Like, I don't know. I think you have to go to another place to get that level of like cheer and pop. I don't think I've ever been as happy as like the saddest person at Chick-fil-A.
0: <laughs> when they say so happy to serve you, like the, the, like the contortions that happen on my face, like, uh, I just, I, 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 I mean, it's great because they're efficient and they're, they're polite. And I, I have to interact with them for a very short amount of time, but man, I hope they're paying their their employees way more than any other fast casual or, or fast food place because I, I could not work there otherwise.
1: The crazy thing is, though, is is awful as it is to think about it. The people, it always feels so genuine. It's never like the you know when you go in a place and it's like, oh yeah, they told them they gotta say that, you know, yeah. and it's really awkward. Like I like when I took the car to the shop, the guy answered the phone. He's like, "Who do I have the pleasure of speaking to?" That guy doesn't want to say that. That guy's <laughs> like, "God damn it!" The shop said I gotta say this, so I'm gonna say it. And, and there's no passion to it. The people, check, it feels so genuine. Like they mean it, or at least they put on a a good show. Like they mean it. I don't know how they get that genuineness to something that couldn't possibly be genuine.
0: All right, I'm gonna like take this completely off the rails for a second. I have a, <laughs> I have a question for you. Okay, Do you have like a secret classification system and your email closings that like tells you how much or how little you actually care about, you know, said e- email or said person. So, like, I am my default is best regards, and, and that's like, okay, cool, we've had this conversation. It's just whatever, you know, it's used a lot in my work and it's great, you know, whatever, cool, best regards. If I send you an email and it ends in regards. It basically ends in fuck you. Don't waste my time with this bullshit. And then anything else is probably somewhere similar in that vein. So do you do you have any go tos where it's like, what are your favorite passive aggressive? You're an idiot. You should know this. Or I don't like you. That that you know. Of course, you make professional, but you're in the workplace. Anything?
1: Yeah, I don't know that I. It's something I would necessarily put at the end, though. Do I you ever do I, you I like?
0: per my but, last email
1: yeah 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 i'd be more of that or like uh you know as we discussed previously those kind of things are, do you attach as, the- as i'm sure you're aware is one that that is oh, a pretty, like
0: oh that is oh that is that is some shade right there yeah i'm coming um, pretty
1: hard at you if i'm like as i'm sure you're aware
0: like, <laughs> you should have known that oh yeah i i get into a bad habit of i don't just say you know, as I'll say, as we previously discussed, but then I usually what I usually do is per the attached email and I include the email chain where we talked about the thing previously. So they should clearly you should already know the answer to this and you should not have emailed me. Uh, and that usually sends the the message that I'm yeah, trying that, to say.
1: That, that's a clear I'm coming at you. If you if you attach some attach your evidence, it's like, OK, <laughs> yeah, we're going to court on this and I just won. <laughs>
0: yeah that's a good one. Uh, oh, <laughs> wow that went that that would that uh we ended in a place that was not where we started let's put it that yeah way. i don't
1: know how we got there even from chick-fil-a which i think was the last step on the journey i don't know how we got there but it was a fun side trip all
0: right before we start moving into ser- more serious topics like uh maybe at least one more uh big topic so last episode you gave us your season one thoughts a decade later on game of thrones Uh, i assume that you have progressed since then
1: yeah so we just we finished season four last night and i think we're probably what 20 minutes into the show right now go ahead and skip forward to about two and a half hours if you don't want to hear me talk about game of thrones because i have thoughts
0: (laughs) yes all right let's hear them
1: (laughs) probably not a legitimate time code there um i have so many thoughts i wrote them down
0: wow i'm impressed okay yeah
1: yeah this is coming so probably everyone in the world is like why the fuck is this guy watching game of thrones 10 years later hey i don't even know the answer actually the answer is because we got hbo i covered that last time but uh all right so this will be we talked about season one last time so this will be seasons two through four
0: all um, right season two what you think
1: well i didn't go chronological there it's just, okay. it's just thoughts just okay thoughts from an adult brain um stanza stark is the first character to make it from the bottom five to the top five so on twitter i've been doing at the end of every season i've been doing my top five and my bottom five so she was i think number five in the bottom five at the end of the first season and she now she made it to number five on my top five and it's really just at the end of season four man there's not a lot of good characters like i'm kind of in my feelings about everybody at the end of season four (laughs) with very few exceptions
0: okay so Season two ends uh, so again just to set some context for where we are. I kind of you know, again, as I pointed out in the last show, episode nines are usually kind of where shit goes down, and you have episode 10 to kind of recover. So season two, you have Blackwater, uh, which is again where uh King's Landing uh is invaded. Uh the Bratheon, Stannis Brathean's fleet is turned back uh by the you know heroic defense by Tyrion. Uh season Three has the infamous Red wedding, uh, where much of the Stark family is uh, betrayed and slaughtered uh, by the Boltons and the phrase. And then uh, in season four, uh, you have you have uh, the mountain and the Viper. Uh, duel at the end, you have Tyrion uh, end up getting broken out of jail by his brother catching his lover in the bed of uh with his father, killing Tywin Lannister, escaping out from King's Landing and I'm sure a whole bunch of other stuff. So, uh where is Sansa at right now in season 4? I don't quite recall.
1: So, she got on the boat with Littlefinger. She was at she went to The Vale and was hanging out there for a bit and ended up with her aunt getting booted through the moonhole. And then uh, <laughs> she she hopped on a boat with with him somewhere. I don't. know I oh, man, where they were heading.
0: I I I'm glad that you like her now because it's it's about to get dark. It's about to get really really dark for Sansa. So
1: listen, season one, she was just whining a lot, and I was kind of annoyed with it. But I mean, she had reasons to whine. Like she's been screwed every way. But yeah, she she's come to be. I, re- I mean, I feel like she's definitely Ned Stark's daughter. She's honorable. She's honest. I like the way that, you know, she kind of isn't afraid to tell it like it is, and just her seething hatred for Joffrey. I think <laughs> I empathize with that because that what a piece of shit he was. So I, I really enjoyed just seeing her hate him at every turn.
0: Awesome. Okay. What else?
1: So I'm concerned at the end of season four. This is the first time, I think, in the history of the show. Like, the first three and a half seasons, I was jacked. I was like, let's watch seven episodes. I don't care This it's two o'clock in the morning. Let's get some more in. I'm all right that we're recording tonight and that I'm not watching it. Like, I'm worried about where we're heading. I feel like we, for the first three and a half seasons, it was like realistic fantasy. Like, yeah, there's dragons. Right. But it's like a world that kind of makes sense. Like, there's mm-hmm. some logic to it. Yep. And I feel like now we're into like dragons, fairies, and hobos. Like there's some magic tree under the earth where these some creepy ass kids and like it, you know, there's there were just giants and woolly mammoths and I don't know, man. It's getting a little like so. I hated the episode where they battled at the wall. That was and that was a season uh, in episode nine where you said that's where the shit goes down. So the yep. episode nine of season four was the battle for the wall. I that that was the first time I legitimately considered turning it off and just assuming I could figure out what happened from the previously on at the beginning of season 10. And I'm afraid we're heading in that direction more where it's like, I'm I'm assuming we've covered at one point on the podcast how I will never watch Lord of the Rings out of spite for you. I feel like that it's heading in the direction of what I assume Lord of the Rings is,
0: and I don't love it. So here's what I'm going to say about this I am unsure how you're going to feel about the back half of the season. So I consider the setting to be relatively low magic. It is, I think it's fair to say for, for anybody that kind of is in the sci-fi fantasy genre for, you know, the normie, I, I don't know if it gets too much more magic-y than what you've already experienced. Uh, You know, it's, it, so I'll say this, there's, you know, a lot of the fantasy elements that you're dealing with right now do stick around in some form or another. However, there is a lot of just the political, just character drama stuff stays. And the other thing that you have to consider is you are done with season four. You have about a season and a half or so, maybe not even that, or like we have this clear book material that we're following off of more or less and then we're you're getting pretty close to being at the point where you don't have a whole lot more book material left and what i will say is benioff and weiss need martin to do the fantasy and when they don't have martin's material i think in my opinion is they made a decision to say we're gonna do what we do best which is emphasize the the person, political drama, part of it, and de-emphasize the magic part of it because we're in over our heads with the magic part of it. So, I'm curious. Again, one of the best episodes that you have left to go is called Hard Home, and it's one of my favorite episodes. And you probably won't like it. It's a visual fucking masterpiece. But I don't. I, for the reason that you said just now, I don't think that you'll like it as much. Uh, but I don't, it just, if you're worried that this is going to get progressively more and more fantasy, you can make the case that maybe it goes a little bit more, but I would, I would not say that it goes like full into the deep end. So hopefully that makes you feel a little bit better. Uh, and again, you're coming up to, I would say like, you're coming in the kind of like the, the prime of the show. I mean, I think four five, six, somewhere in there season six finale is fucking amazing. Uh, and then the last two seasons are really were like, it's, it's 13 episodes across two seasons. They fuck up the fantasy, in my opinion. Uh, but again, that's not important to somebody like you. So, curious to see what you think on the back half.
1: Yeah, I think I can handle this level of magic. If it gets much more magic-y, it's, it's going to be tough for me. So, mm-hmm. that's good to hear. Yeah. I think my next observation was, I think the Hound's death was the toughest death for me so far. And I would not have expected that. I loved the Hound and Sansa relation, or in, in Arya Stark relationship where they were just kind of wandering around. He was like a grumpy mentor to her a little bit so that I, I honestly think that was the toughest death so far. I didn't think the Red Wedding was that bad. And to be fair, I had like pop culture notions where I had heard it that I was picturing like hundreds of people were going to get murdered and there was going to be like 27 main characters die. And I was like, oh, they
0: killed and his mom. Hmm yeah um it can't it, it can't kind of be boiled down to that for sure
1: yeah so it was like yeah i mean yeah, yeah there were more people died but like not really people that i cared about so you know i i think i had kind of built up to that expecting that to be a bigger emotional event than maybe it was just from what i had heard as someone that was around the show but not actually watching it but yeah i think when the hound got booted off the mountain by lady Brienne, i was like damn like that's I think that's the one that made me care the most. So that that sucked. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm very, very, very curious to see. I know that one of your, and, and uh, maybe I am stepping on your toes a little bit, so I'm just going to make a quick point here. I know that one of your favorite characters throughout the first four seasons has been Arya, which, I mean, slam dunk. I mean, she's amazing. She's definitely one of the best characters in the show. Um, I'm very curious to see... W- how you uh how much you like her next story arc and whether you think it's you're either probably gonna think it's super neat and cool or you're gonna be like nah dog not for me so i'm curious uh but any aria thoughts
1: yeah i mean i i think that that plays really well into what my final thought was was i think the way they play her out for the rest of the show is probably going to determine a lot what i think about the show going forward i think she's by far the most lovable character left i think she's the only one that i'm 100 percent behind like Tyrion kind of pissed me off at the end there of season four like i was i was in his corner he got he got a little wild at the end so like i mean he's he's i'm still a fan i think but no I'm, i'm not as behind him as i was so at this point it's like aria or no one. Like my, dude got, that, my, my dude got my dude got
0: railroaded in the court system. I mean, come on now, Tyrion's allowed to to wild out a little bit here. Like he, you know, his sister is coming after him for no good reason, just because of the stupid prophecy. It's it's baloney. My 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 bro got the short end of the stick, and I mean, come on, you know what Tywin was doing. I mean, rid- ridiculous. So I i am uh i'm curious yeah you're you're gonna have a lot more feelings about Tyrion as the show goes on so
1: no he definitely got got the wrong end of the stick and i don't i was hoping that the show would clarify it, and i think it's past the point where it would have it was going to but in his trial by combat didn't they both die
0: (laughs) uh i mean do you consider being in a pseudo state of undeath to be dead I mean, you have not seen the last of Gregor Clegane the Mountain.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> he's not alive, right? Like, it, its I think it's fair to say that by the end of the fight, neither one of them was alive.
0: My dude Oberyn Martell got his head blown up. It got smashed like a watermelon. I think there's a clear winner.
1: All right, I mean, he got jacked up, but if I'm Tyrion, I think I'm going to push a little harder and say, like, is this not a draw? Like, <laughs> nobody won. They both lost.
0: Oh you're uh you're rules lawyering a duel to the death of game of thrones it's just like if you had said at the end of college that we would be having this conversation a decade later wow i never would have i never would imagine in 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 all of my years so this is just i'm so tickled pink right now
1: so many reasons why i would have never expected this to happen (laughs) but here we are and i think it was a little bullshit it was like he didn't win but i'm not sure he lost
0: Okay, but well, the thing
1: that the thing that pissed me—he did not need to choke out Shay like that. That was the bullshit. Like you, you want to shoot your dad while he's on the shitter because of everything he's done to you. Whatever, I didn't have a problem with that. I had a huge problem with him choking her out.
0: Yeah, I mean, not a good luck. Uh, I mean, let, let's be honest. Um, not a lot I can say about that. So, yeah, I I'm curious to see you know because it seems like you're you're at a bit of an inflection point. You know, is this gonna kind of you know come downhill or not uh i'm curious to see what you think about season five which again like you still got quite a bit of excellence and again your opinion on seven and eight might be completely different from mine and i am very you know once we get there i'll be very curious to see what your thoughts are but yeah you're 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 getting close to get you know getting giving me the urge to go back and do a rewatch i'm not there yet and i gotta finish ted lasso and, and and watch a couple other things first before i'd even consider it but I, I don't know. I'm getting a little itchy for it. So we'll see.
1: Yeah. I, I'm curious to see where I'm going to end up too. Cause right now I feel like this could end up like top five TV show of all time. I could feel, I also feel like this show could end up being like uh yeah, it was pretty, it was, it was pretty good. Like I, I think I could easily see myself being in either one of those at this point. Like it's, it's, it's really tipping for me. It's like we've laid a good foundation, but there there's some work to do to bring it home.
0: Yeah. My good feeling is you have two more like extremely solid seasons. And I think that that will be enough to kind of clinch it as, uh, as an upper tier show uh, and then complete question mark on how you feel about the, uh, the last two seasons. So we'll see. And all I'm going to say is you've definitely said some things uh, in this that are, that are, I, there's nothing that I can say. And I previously left this comment until the very end. So uh, you've got some surprises in store for you. Is all I'm going to say. Uh, and uh, yeah, this oh man, so good. I enjoy this. I enjoy living the show again vicariously through you very much. So uh, any final yeah. th- any final thoughts before we move on?
1: No, I I think those were, those were my thoughts. So like I said, I mean, I I've been it's been must watch TV every night. The end of four was a little bit iffy, but I mean, realistically, I'm probably gonna go upstairs and watch another one tonight before I go to bed. <laughs> regardless of when we finish, so we'll be um, back at it.
0: Awesome. Okay, so moving on to you know to a more serious topic that has you know consumed this show. Uh, we are coming. We're getting pretty close, Andy, to the to the one year anniversary of our first uh, of our first show. We'll have to keep that in mind. For uh, I, I think we started in September of last year.
1: Yeah, that sounds right. We probably are coming up.
0: So anyway, uh, uh, COVID has definitely inspired uh, quite a bit of the subject material of the show that continues to be the case. You know, I, I try to look for reasons to leave out COVID of our shows, you know, when we're doing these kind of grab bag newsy style episodes. But I mean, certain you know stretches of time, you just can't ignore it. And that is the case uh in in this last week or so for sure so jumping down a bit the big news that came out uh monday august 23rd earlier this week the pfizer vaccine has received full approval by the fda for uh anyone who is 16 years of age or older Uh, and so this does a number of things right Uh, we've talked about in previous episodes how you know the emergency use authorization only required Uh, you know, somewhere in the two to four month range of of data. Now we needed six. We've analyzed hundreds of thousands of pages of data. We get to yank that experimental tag off of the vaccine. So people who have clung to that now cannot use that anymore. Uh, This vaccine has been doubly approved by the FDA. You know, any rational person would say that a vaccine that's already been injected into hundreds of millions of people across the world uh, is not gonna have this emergency use authorization revoked and lo and behold it was approved pretty swimmingly you know we are getting you know warning label about the pericarditis myocarditis uh you know possibilities for certain age demographics again those side effects continue to be extremely rare uh you know you're just seeing the common you know muscle site injection redness and soreness and some you know, cold-like symptoms uh, for a day or two or so. Uh, but, Andy, it is it is finally here. I would say it was a slow and steady wins the race, uh, but we have our first officially approved vaccine uh, against COVID. How are you feeling?
1: Um, I want to be optimistic. I want to say it's exciting, but truthfully, I don't see a change in a goddamn thing, so <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, good for the FDA for getting it through good for Pfizer for, I mean, doing what they had to do, but honestly, I just, I don't see it making a difference. I think anybody at this point, the full approval, like what does the full approval really mean at this point? I think anybody that's going to believe like science has probably already realized that, like you said, you know, something that's been injected into hundreds of millions of people is probably pretty safe. I I imagine that most of the people out there that are saying, oh, I'll take it when it's FDA approved. I mean, the numbers have not borne that out at all so far. I think we're down this week in Ohio over what we were. Yes, that is correct. Mm -hmm. The previous week. So we're definitely not seeing that spike of people running out to get it. So, I mean, it's theoretically exciting, but practically, I don't know that it's going to make much of a difference. I think there's so much misinformation that I don't know. I'd like to think that it's going to make a difference, but I I just don't see that being the case. So give us a positive spin.
0: (laughs) I will give you a positive spin. Uh, First, I will say that I largely agree with you. You know, polling had indicated somewhere in the 20% plus or minus 5% range of people who were unvaccinated. They said that they will get vaccinated. Uh, The reason that was holding them back was that the vaccine was not approved by the FDA and that they would go get the vaccine once it had received official approval. Uh, Again, I agree with you. I think that number is largely BS. I think it's a, it was a convenient excuse for people that made you sound smart when, in fact, again, as we already said, and again, this is not an exaggeration too, right? Like, you know, oh, you say, oh, well, yeah, hundreds of million people around the world, but what about just in America, the FDA's data? Well, Pfizer has a ridiculous market share in the United States of these vaccines in comparison to Moderna and J and uh, you know, more people have gotten Pfizer than Moderna or J J in the United States. I think the, the post injection, you know, surveillance safety data for Pfizer, I think was 22,000 people that had been injected and they followed them for six months afterwards, you know, looking for any kind of, Side effects uh, that would jump out at you that might be a little bit more subtle than the muscle site injection and the you know, the flu like symptoms people felt. Uh, so no, it's not an exaggeration at all. Some of those people, I again, I've seen examples, you know, online of people like, yep, they got approved, and now I'm getting my vaccine. Uh, and you know, we have seen an uptick overall. I would say in the last month or so, largely I think because of the severity of Delta, uh, more so than anything else. Uh, but here's the silver lining. You're, you're correct in the simple fact that the vaccine being approved, I don't think is going to do much for overall numbers uh, just by itself. However, and this is something that we've alluded to in previous episodes, now that the vaccine is officially approved, I think the number of employer mandates are going to start skyrocketing. Uh, and we've seen some of that already, particularly around college campuses. Uh, And I imagine that you are going to see a ton of major companies in the next weeks, months, say, look, by this date, you must be vaccinated or you will no longer be able to work here. And we already know that, you know, there's lots of philosophical reasons why somebody may or may not want to get vaccinated. But people got to eat. People got to make money. You start messing around with people's livelihoods. I can't think of a stronger incentive for people to actually get vaccinated who, who are not yet vaccinated, then you will lose your job if you're not vaccinated.
1: Yeah. I think you're hundred percent right on that. I mean, in a country where, you know, money is King and, and the second most important thing next to guns. I mean, <laughs> sorry, that was probably a little bit more sarcastic than I should have been, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you, if you hit people, in the bottom line, that is, if the goal is to get more people vaccinated, that will definitely encourage people to get more vaccinated.
0: And we've already seen that there's a variety of tools uh, here that employers can use besides just a, the, a peer mandate, which again, you know, you can use that, that pure mandate um, and just be a, a, a hard line in the sand. Uh, but you could also do things like I've started to see that employers have told their associates, Oh, look, there's going to be for the year, there's going to be a thousand dollar surcharge on your health insurance uh, due to, you know, what's going on with the pandemic. However, you get a thousand dollar credit towards this new surcharge if you're vaccinated or if you and your and your spouse are vaccinated. Uh, And so you can do financial things that aren't a pure. Yes, either we're going to fire you or not if you if you get vaccinated. Uh, but you you can do similar other fiscal things as an employer that would that would make somebody really consider uh, you know whether they want to not get vaccinated and pay whatever essential fine you know we're going to call it uh, in order to be unvaccinated I think that will that also is going to prove effective in getting people vaccinated
1: yeah I think that's brilliant I mean I'll be honest i at my workplace there's a five hundred dollar deductible to add on if you don't go see your p c p every year and I probably wouldn't go every year except for that five hundred dollar fine I'm not trying to rack up, so <laughs> it works i i I almost like those better because it still gives people that that illusion of choice that people are so desperate you know that they claim that an issue of freedom or or what i mean. I think that's insane, but whatever, but it it gives you that choice. Then that's fine. You know, you don't have to do it, but there will be consequences for it and there will probably be uncomfortable financial consequences. So that's fine. If it really means that much to you take that $2,000 swing and take that hit. If that's what you got to do.
0: And again, right. Like we already have precedent for this too. Right. So like, you know, uh, health insurers under Obamacare can charge their, it can charge patients up to 50% higher premiums for smoking. If you are, you know, a smoker as not a smoker, you are, uh, again, I, I'm going to use this word. I'm not saying I believe it necessarily because, you know, a smoking addiction is a real addiction, but like it is a voluntary activity that you choose to do that makes you a high risk patient. And you just, you know, consider somebody getting, you know, being unvaccinated unless they have, a note from their doctor saying I have a medical condition that prevents me from getting vaccinated. uh, You know, you classify that person as a similar high risk person. And so, yep. Oh, if you don't want to pay this extra money, you know, go get vaccinated. I think that will go a long way. And for those true diehard people who say, no, I will sincerely leave my job if I am required, or if, you know, maybe those people will choose to eat the fine and you know, that it's America and, and they can choose to do that if they want. So.
1: Yeah, I almost like that better than the mandates, I think, because that way it takes the whole political argument out of it. I mean, I don't know how you could argue that you're not more of a risk by not taking the vaccine. So, again, give people the choices that they want. Let them have the freedom that, you know, if this is the illusion of freedom that you need, that, you know, this is this is the hill you want to die on. That's fine. It's just going to cost you a little bit of cash.
0: So here's the reason why I don't like it more than a pure mandate. and. This might just be a little too. This might, I might be a little bit too in the weeds, but I feel like if we do the, oh, you get fined, you know, you have the surcharge or whatever on your insurance, I feel like it's almost like the same as what the lottery was, where it's like, we're trying to figure out how much is too little to not incentivize people to get vaccinated versus, you know, what's draconian if it's like, you know, your upcharge is $10,000. Uh, and we have to like, gamble with like did we go too high did we overshoot did we undershoot and you know again i'm not saying that everybody should you know again i highly doubt that you know we're gonna have the the vast majority of companies in this country mandate it uh you know i think there will be lots of places that don't uh and so there will be wiggle room uh but again like I I think certain industries, I think healthcare workers, I think, you know, nursing home facilities, like, you know, there are going to be places where it is just the nature of your job that you really need to have this. And if you don't like it, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You just, you're going to have to go work somewhere else. Uh, And again, I think that's going to be so motivating. Like, you know, if you're just, I mean, I can go back to uh, a couple years ago or so where, before I was in my current uh, role where like, I was just looking to get out. I was just too overwhelmed. I had to get out my work life balance was awful, but like applying for jobs and filling out resumes and, and, and going to interviews, like that's a pain in the ass when you're already working. Like, so I messing with people's jobs, how they're getting their money is to me the most critical thing. That's going to drive people to actually get vaccinated. Uh, and we've seen this week. Uh, first was the University of Michigan, which which killed me that the, that they were mandating uh, vaccines before we were. But then a few short days later, uh, Ohio State follows through, and and LSU jumped out at me as a school that very surprised uh, that they went this route, but they they are in fact going to mandate it for their uh, for their students. So
1: Louisiana has had a little bit of a, a surprising response. I feel like their governor has been. For being Republican, has been relatively cautious and reasonable with the way they've handled it. So, I mean, LSU was a shock just because. I mean, you don't expect the SEC to do smart things, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I said I. Not, if you ask me if that's the one I want to take back, no, the SEC does not do smart things. But I do think Louisiana as a state has been a little bit more progressive than much of the South. So I guess if there was an SEC state or an SEC school that I would expect to do something a, a little bit more forward-thinking, it's not a shock that it's LSU out of that group.
0: That's a good point for sure. The thing I want to touch on, I I think this is from. Mm, oh, I'm going to make a boo boo. I don't know. I don't remember where I pulled this graphic from, either the New York Times or the Washington Post. Uh, but there is a, uh, some in-depth polling that came out about who is vaccinated from a demographics perspective. I kind of just want to go through some of the highlights here real quick. You know, there's some interesting things that jump out that are probably pretty obvious. Uh, all adults are at 69%. Again, this is self-reported of women at 71% versus men at 67%. So again, women doing the smarter thing like normal. I, I found the age demographics to be interesting. So 18 to 34 years, 34 years old, 63%. And I thought that would be the lowest demographic, but in fact, 35 to 49 year olds, 58%. Uh, So we are not yet in this demographic, Andy. And uh, apparently the people just not too much older than us up to 49, uh, they're slacking and that's kind of ridiculous.
1: Yeah, that is shocking. I think I would have probably just expected it to be a, straight you know fairly linear upward growth as you get
0: yep. older 50 through 64 year olds 71 percent and then a, i think a pretty impressive 65 and older crowd at 86 percent white people 66 percent blacks, 76 percent latino 71 percent uh the dichotomy between where you live though i think is more interesting and again You're starting to see some trend lines as, you know, groups that vote Democrat versus groups that vote Republican. And we're going to get into that even a little bit more here. Uh, Urban residents, 79%. Suburban residents, 67%. So you see that drop. And then rural residents, 52%. uh, You know, falls off a cliff there. Uh, White evangelicals, 59%. Uh, This is not in here, but I've seen the Catholic number has been in like either the high 70s or low 80s, I think. So uh, better than I would have guessed. And, uh, you know, Catholic school, unite, let's go. And you then- So ma-
1: some rules on masking Catholic schools, thanks.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Democrats, 88%, independents, 60%, and then Republicans, 55%. Republicans who support Trump more than party drops all the way down to the lowest number, which is 46% while Republicans who support party more than Trump, 62%.
1: I'd like to give a shout out to your boy, though. Did you see him in Alabama last weekend (laughs) Encourage people to get the vaccine? They booed him for it. Again, SEC country. They booed him when he said people should get the vaccines, but he did say, you should get vaccinated. So, I know that we have made almost a year of talking about what a fool he is, but for probably the first time in the history of the show, I'll give you boys some credit. He did say, "Y'all should get vaccinated." Okay, and he got booed for it. <laughs> uh,
0: I am, I am going to bad cop this, and I give him no credit, uh, and may God, have mercy on his soul. Because here's the thing, and again, I don't have specific numbers for you, but I, I'm relatively confident this is true. Prior to the pandemic and Trump being president, being an anti-vaxxer was not like this like you know solidly republican thing there's plenty of looney tunes on the weird fringes and, and you know and on you know on the democrat side on the liberal side of, of it where you get you know the you know the liberal elites in their ivy towers you know and you get the you get those weird doctors who say oh this these mainstream medical things are horrible uh, you get the all natural people uh, you know, there's plenty of people that I would not classify anywhere remotely close to the Republican spectrum who were, you know, anti vaxxing and doing these crazy things. Uh, and so if Donald Trump had, again, he is he is the leader. He is the author of Operation War Speed. Uh, one of the few successes that, I'm, that I will blatantly, you know, give to his administration, like great job from start to finish from the development perspective of the vaccine. If he had just said, look, guys, like, this was all me. This is my vaccine. And as soon as it was available, he rolled up his sleeve and said, and and, and went on national TV and got vaccinated and said, if you're a Trump fan, you'll get vaccinated. This is what we're going to do. We're going to stop the pandemic. We're going to go back to the, the best economy in the country. We would not see these numbers would be inverted, maybe these are these numbers would be comparable between both sides of the political aisle. He, in my opinion, bears the largest responsibility for these Republican numbers, particularly, again, Republicans who who support Trump more than party is the lowest percentage. It's a 16 point gap between those Republicans who support Marty party more than Trump. He had the opportunity to, like, he, again, could go down as this person who was super responsible for bringing the pandemic to the close by getting what is now the most reluctant demographic to get vaccinated. And he fucked it up for some unknown reason. Uh, and, And so, no, I do not. I do not give him any credit. Sorry, Trump.
1: Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, that's that's probably what I wanted to say, but uh figured I'd throw him a bone for at least, you know, we're what, uh eighteen months into the pandemic. <laughs> at see he finally said something that made a little bit of sense. But you know, my freedoms.
0: Yeah, and if I had the wager money, he get since he got booed after saying that, I bet you that's not showing up in any war speeches.
1: Yeah, probably not.
0: All right. A couple more things before we wind down COVID Uh, masking in schools. We talked a little bit about universities. Uh, Andy, I know you've been on a little bit of a venture. Do you want to start or do you want me to start as far as uh, how, how the school year has gone so far?
1: Yes, I, I, I can lead us off here. So I know my kid has been in school for just about a week now. I think you guys are what you guys are in week two now.
0: We're Yeah, we're at the uh, we're you know we're we're a week and a half. The first week was partial, so we're not too much further along than you.
1: Well, not further along in your school year, but definitely further along in your uh, making sense.
0: <laughs> True.
1: So uh, I guess it, it's I guess I guess we'll try and frame it as a positive to report that I my kids' school COVID has has been conquered and it's over. <laughs> um, oh, there there are no nothing looks different than it did in 2019 <laughs> there are masks are uh strongly optional they they put out a waiver that they want people to sign if their kids aren't wearing masks um so we specifically sent in uh, a response of hey do, please don't think we just forgot this we want our kids to wear a mask um they're, they're doing nothing the kids are sitting i mean side by side there's I think almost 30 kids in the class, Uh, there's no space, there's no masking, there's, I I don't see how this ends up anywhere other than with a ton of kids in quarantine. And that's speaking, you know, one from common sense and two from the experiences of a lot of school districts that went back just a couple of weeks ahead of where we did in Ohio and are seeing tons and tons of kids in quarantine.
0: Yeah, it. Uh, you and I have been talking, you know, in the lead up to the show. And, uh, man, I, I would not be, you know, I could not be more frustrated if I was in your shoes. So,
1: yeah, I think if we'd had more warning about how the school is going to handle this, I'm not even sure that uh, it would be much of an issue for us, because I'm not sure we would have still made the same school choices that we did.
0: Yeah, no. And of course, you know, that leads you to, to wonder, oh hey did we purposely you know hold that until the very last second before releasing that information so right just like the start of last year the start of this year has been wild from a COVID perspective for us uh so we also you know kind of heard towards the very last second uh two weeks ago from today we had a very long email from the school district from the superintendent and basically you know we're following the data we're following guidance uh but masks are not going to be mandated they are optional but we highly recommend we highly encourage them there's advantages from a quarantine perspective uh etc etc uh you know they are still keeping in a lot of the the other safety precautions as far as sanitation and plexiglass and and cafeteria and and common spaces uh but again they they, you know they started with the, the wine approach which is not acceptable to me it's like we're not going to mandate it. But we highly recommend you do it. And there's all these advantages, but we're not going to tell you you have to do it. Like, which again, to me, pure idiocy and just, just left me feeling horrible. And so that email comes out, you know, before, you know not too long before school starts. Uh, we get another email uh, on the 20th, you know, so at the end of the first week, it's to provide an update on how many. Uh, you know, cases and quarantines that the the district has uh, emphasizing again, why masks are so recommended. You won't have to quarantine as long. We'd love for you to mask. We'd love for you to mask, uh, but we're still not requiring it. And then last, uh, last night, yesterday, or maybe Wednesday night um, in the Thursday, we get another email from the school district. That's like, you know how we said masks weren't mandated? Well, JK, as of tomorrow everybody's required to wear a mask uh, and this makes me feel great because uh, my son had his first day on a Wednesday and it was only a third of his class to get to know the teacher smaller group and on Wednesday Thursday and Friday uh, I asked him I was like hey buddy like I, I'm gonna ask you to wear a mask let me know how many people in your class are wearing a mask and you know he's got you know mid-20s kids in his class and he told me him and maybe like two to three other people are wearing a mask it's highly highly recommended but the overwhelming majority of his classmates are not and so you know he was a trooper he was used to it he wore his mask all this week through thursday uh and then and again it's a federal mandate for for busing so he's he takes the bus and everybody on the bus wears one and then now he had his first day of school where everybody's back in a mask and so far so good so while i would have liked to have started at this point uh hats off to sylvania schools for you know switching their policy in a relatively quick amount of time they're going to keep it for at least the next month and then reevaluate but props to them for making that decision and uh, i guess i can't complain too much about it then
1: yeah those numbers seem to be pretty similar to what we had i think it's I think we have three or four out of the class of close to 30 wearing them. Uh, the only difference is we, uh, despite the fact that her school said, we're following the CDC guidelines, um, they're not even encouraging masks. Masks are optional. So we do not have that uh, that moment. And that, that, that's tough. So, you know, with, with with being fifth grade, it's it's pretty tough, I think, to ask your kid to wear a mask when nobody else is and everybody else is literally just living their lives like you know the pandemic is something happy that we can just look at in our rearview mirror so you know it's it's happening in our house and i definitely admire my kid for the fact that she is going to wear the mask even though the majority of the class isn't but it, it would sure be a lot easier if we could just make some uh I actually follow the guidance that the school claims to be following and and mandate those masks and again you know hopefully this is something that's a relatively short-term surge and we could maybe go to a place where masks aren't necessary this year but i, I think it's foolish at this point to not have any strategies in place so I, I'm, I'm very happy for you guys that your, your district came around to i mean using what i don't think it's a stress to call just common sense
0: yeah for sure. And I mean again, uh, like uh, if i if I was gonna be you know completely hundred percent honest, like they don't get full credit in the sense that you know uh, the Perrysburg School District, which is another uh, you know large, relatively affluent suburb, they just two days prior to the Sylvania announcement announced that they were also uh, enforcing a mass mandate. So I feel like it was that was really the first domino. Uh, you know, TPS, which is you know, Toledo Public Schools, uh, they are the largest, uh, you know, school district from a population perspective. They had always from the start mandated it, uh, but there was definitely some, you know, suburban sticking our nose up in the air like, oh, well, in our part of the city, it's allegedly not as prevalent, yada, yada, bullshit. Uh, and a lot of the suburban school districts had... Uh, you know, highly recommended them, but had not mandated them. And I'm glad to see uh, that schools have changed their mind. And, uh, and, and we'll see again, I think, you know, we did this last year, right? Like the kids who went to school last year, uh, largely wore masks and let's do it this year. Hopefully these employer mandates will start getting more and more of uh, the larger population vaccinated, which will drive down transmission and we can go back to, again, I don't, I would prefer that my kid not need to wear a mask. Like, I'm not going to make them wear a mask for the le- the rest of their school career. Uh, but why we're at the levels that we're at right now, I think it's uh, common sense. And uh, I'm glad that that's where we ended up.
1: Yeah. And, and I think it's, a, I honestly just don't understand all the opposition. Like, my kids just literally put on their masks and, and go. I mean, we've been consistent. My kids haven't been in public without masks now for, you know, 18 months. And it's literally just, you know, you put on your mask and, and on you go. It's, it's not like, I just have a hard time hearing people rage about it because I, I just don't know how it's that big of a deal to people like my, it's just not that big of a deal in our house. Like, you know, my, my youngest will just be like, Oh, Hey, there's a lot of friends here. Put on his mask on. He goes, if he sees a crowd, you know, if, if we're at the playground and there's more than, Just him there. It's the mask goes on. He says, "There's a lot of friends," and and there we go. It's it. It's not this traumatic thing that people are playing it out to be like it's a you know child abuse and you know the kids can't see each other's face. Like I just don't see why it's such a big deal.
0: Yeah, no, I I I don't know. It's definitely something that parents have made a much bigger deal out of than their kids have. Yeah, Um, I
1: I I I just don't see kids that are pushing so hard for it because they're just like, oh yeah, we got to wear a mask. Okay, whatever.
0: All right. So we're going to start wrapping this up uh, with something a little bit uh, less technical, and a little bit more absurd. So uh, one thing I want to say before I get to this last topic, uh, I have had my fill of stories. So, again, I feel like we've gone through, uh, you know, a bunch of different phases of covid reporting. Right. Like in the beginning, it was just the tragic like this pillar of the community got covid. They weren't an old person and they died. And this is horrible. And again, that's happening all across the country. You know, I'm, you know, if, if this makes families feel better then great, but like it's, it's heart I don't need to read those stories. Like I hit a capacity pretty early. Then once we got vaccines going, you know, we started reading about breakthrough cases and it was like, every time there was a breakthrough case, it was like, oh, this person was fully vaccinated and they were following everything and, and they got, and they still got COVID you know, with the undertones of, well, how effective are these vaccines? And again, we knew that the vaccines aren't 100% effective. We know that these vaccines are having a tougher time against the Delta variant versus some of the more original variants of the disease. But again, like, that's not a newsworthy story. We knew that there were going to be breakthrough infections. uh, and, and that's not worth a story. The story that I'm done reading now is the, oh, this guy was a hardcore anti-vaxxer and said he would never get vaccinated and now he's in the hospital and he died and he's leaving behind his wife and five kids like i don't what is that story for like we again anybody that spends time thinking about the pandemic for more than two seconds is gonna realize yep you know hundreds of thousands of people have died and some of them are people who didn't believe in the vaccine like i don't like get any grim satisfaction out of those stories like yes they're heartbreaking i don't need to read them you know people of all you know shapes and sizes are dying from this pandemic and i i don't really know that we need to focus on those those stories so much
1: yeah i'm with you on that those those are obnoxious those are I, it feels a little bit like people are rejoicing and and tragedy and it's like you know i i don't i don't think you're making your point well if your point is everyone should get vaccinated but the way you're doing that is ha 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 look at this person who didn't get vaccinated and a terrible thing happened to them i think it's a pretty shitty way to make your point
0: yeah like to be clear like if you're not vaccinated but when you don't have a medical reason i think you are making a bad a bad decision for a whole lot of reasons however there's no like I'm not going to be the person who's like, Oh, well, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. When a person dies, when a person gets put on a ventilator, like there's a clear line that we can, you know, I'll I'll say that when I see somebody doing the milk crate challenge and they get up to the top and they fall over and and I'll laugh and play stupid games, win stupid prizes, but not when it comes to something like this, like this is kind of in alignment with our sports hatred thing. Like we don't really hate Michigan fans. We just sports hate them. I don't, want anti-vaxxers to die uh, i'm not going to make some quippy darwin joke about oh you know i guess that's just darwinism uh you know we want people to to stay healthy and not be affected by this disease i'm just done with these stories
1: yeah yeah that's a, that the darwin jokes the the natural selection the, I, I mean the, the stupid games and stupid prizes to me i think is one of those things that can we just go ahead and leave that in 2020 with a lot of other things? Because that that's one of those ones, you know, there are certain phrases now that that when you hear them, I don't know if you have this experience, but you hear it and you're just like, I definitely do not want to hear what follows that.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like When
1: people call the vaccine, the jab, like hundred <laughs> percent. If I see something that calls it refers to a vaccine as the jab, it's like, I'm going to stop you there. I'm not reading it. Like I guarantee whatever follows is some crazy shit that like, I just don't have the time for. (laughs) And I think that the stupid games and stupid prizes is one of the, that's funny that you said that, but I think that's one that, that I think just really turns me like, I'm not listening to anything you say after that. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You have not like revealed some profound truth of the world. When you say when, you know, play stupid games, when stupid prizes, like, like we get it, like people make bad decisions and sometimes there are consequences for that, like, you know, moving on. So, uh, all right. So uh, of the humorous, <laughs> I'm the more humorous end of the, uh, the spectrum. This pandemic has produced a ton of testimony and kind of, you know, uh, just pe- random people feel like they need to go to their state house and talk about their thoughts on a COVID law or COVID regulation, COVID bill, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) And in the state of Tennessee, we had a real doozy uh, lately uh, of a video that went around. And, you know, it was a lot of just people spouting typical anti-vax BS. But the quote uh, for this episode comes from a Tennessee state senator, Janice Bowling, and this is in response to somebody giving some anti-vax testimony. And I think this is just some of the most, some of the most magical writing I've seen in the English language. I cannot believe these words form sentences. Uh, and I will read the quote to you. Women are spaghetti and men are waffles. Men often get in the box and they don't see the correlation. Whereas women, we see spaghetti and it is all connected. And this is, uh, you know, being applicable to uh, using the anti-parasitic drug ivermectin, uh, you know, horse and cow dewormer medicine that is now making the rounds as, you know, it is, it has taken uh, hydroxychloroquine's uh, lunch money. It is now the drug of choice for the people who don't want to take a doubly approved uh, vaccine, but will... Take treatments that do not have FDA approval, off-label, uh, and again, just, I, I can't even believe those words came together in the English language in that order.
1: Well, listen, do you want to really trust the crooked FDA, or do you want to trust the people that make hard guard? I don't know. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Um, as far as the quote goes, I kind of get, I, I think I, I, think I sort of get where she's getting at. I, okay. So I want to start with an observation. Considering Eggos as the only waffles that exist that come in a box, you are shutting yourself out to a whole world of waffle experiences that you could be having, first of all. Like,
0: and, and listen, we have
1: ego waffles in my house. I eat them all the time. The kids love them. I mean, I like them. I had an go waffle and an egg for breakfast this morning, so I'm not shitting on ego waffles. But, like, waffles come in places far you can get a waffle that doesn't come out of a box, first of all. And you probably, I mean, if you have the choice, you probably should take the waffle and come out of the box. Go to the waffle house. They don't come out of a box, they're bad decent waffles. Anyway, I I think what she's saying is is that men get in guys get entrenched. And I think the box is where you're not willing, you know, you're not you can't see the forest for the trees. You you take up your position, you get inside your metaphorical box, your let's say your anti-vax box, and you say, I don't care what you say. I don't care the fact that the FDA approved it. I don't care that it's, you know, hundred percent clearly working something, something freedom, American flag eagles. And you can't tell me anything different. So that, I think that's the man in the box. And I think the spaghetti is, is more that is synthesizing all the information and taking like, yeah, okay. There's some breakthrough infections and maybe, you know, the vaccines are a hundred percent, but if you look at everything, you, you take a total look at it and you try and see how everything connected you it points in a direction of the vaccines definitely make a whole lot of sense and it's y- you should probably take it I don't know Janice I hope that's what you're trying to say if you weren't whatever oh. you made no sense that was the best that I could do I tried to save it for you Half a waffle this not and I go though I think that's probably if I could really leave you with one message Janice expand your waffle world
0: I, I think that was the best five minute stretch of the show that we've never ever recorded <laughs> I, I I can't breathe. That was amazing. Um, I get the spaghetti thing. The spaghetti thing is actually, like, pretty good, I feel like. But, like, of all the foods that come in a box, like, the, the waffles, thing, really, is just, it's just throwing me for a loop. Like, if you pick pizza there, pizza, you know, always comes in a box. And you get another. You know,
1: you know, you know what I just realized? Spaghetti comes in a box.
0: Yeah. And, like, you get another <laughs> Italian food in there. Like. Yeah. I, uh, Oh. (laughs) oh so again people don't don't eat tie pods don't take hydroxychloroquine don't inject bleach in yourself and don't take ivermectin a drug that you probably are going to find it in dosages for large farm animals and not humans don't take don't take any medicines without consulting your doctor and getting a prescription uh just just don't do that uh because right now Uh, local, you know, poison control, uh, is overwhelmed right now with people being stupid idiots. Uh, so don't do that. Please don't do that.
1: I mean, if you're thinking about it, just, just go look in the mirror. And if you see a sheep, maybe go ahead and do it. If when you look in the mirror, you see a human being talk to a human being, medical (laughs) professional first.
0: (sighs) Oh my God. That was great. All right, so let's uh, move on to something uh, much more fun then. Uh, Andy, we are just about ready to start the college football season, and I am uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm uh, pretty excited to have football back in my life again.
1: Yeah, the Lions were playing a preseason game this evening. I actually had that flipped on for a couple of minutes before uh, headed down to the old uh, basement studio. So football is back. Um, I'm going to be honest, if we're talking Ohio State, I don't know a whole lot about what to expect other than we're probably going to win a shitload of games because the Big Ten is whack and we're not. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, exciting. we
0: start what? Is it next week? Yes. Uh, and, and we'll, uh, actually, let's just drum down there. We'll start there. The Ske- Ohio State schedule first game, uh, Thursday, September 2nd at Minnesota, eight o'clock at night. Kind of weird to be starting on a Thursday, Andy. I don't really like it.
1: I don't like starting on a Thursday, and I don't like starting with a Big Ten opponent. That's That feels a little
0: scary. Yeah, night game, away game. I don't know anything about Minnesota. Here's the things that I can tell you about Ohio State right now. One, I know that Stroud ended up being uh, the starting quarterback, winning the job, so congratulations to him. I think he looks a lot like Justin Fields from the – from the back of the profile picture I saw. So I'm very excited to learn more about you uh, as the season goes along. I know that Olave came back, Garrett Wilson's still there, and our receiving core is going to be fucking bananas this year. And we're probably going to be pretty good, and that's really all I can tell you about the team so far.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we'll find out the second week of the season.
0: Right. So Oregon. <laughs> Saturday, September 11th, 11th versus – Number 11, Oregon at home. It's a new game. to really crappy opponents in Tulsa and Akron in the next two weeks at home. At Rutgers, home versus Maryland. That's just a, a trash month right there. Uh, not a whole lot uh, to lend itself to being super invested.
1: No, that's 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 going to be a tough watch.
0: We go into a nice little stretch, though. At number 17, Indiana. Uh, Indiana's sneakily been like probably what well, the second or third best team in the Big Ten over the last two years or so. Uh Indiana, that's yeah. that scares me. And there's a TBD next to that start time, and that could be that could be a game day game.
1: Yeah, the nice thing, I mean, who knows what the world looks like, you know, with COVID rules, but I do feel like traditionally we've traveled really well to Bloomington whether it's a noon kickoff or an eight o'clock kickoff, I feel like it's always a bit more Ohio state scarlet in the crowd than it is Indiana. I don't know, whatever booty shade of red they have. So (laughs) I don't know if, if things are going to look quite the same this year as they have, you know, traditionally at least as far as the crowd goes, but I do feel like Indiana has not necessarily been the scariest road environment. So
0: I, d- I don't think they continues. have the scariest road environment, but they, we've been in some shootouts with them. Like they can, They've they been able to put some points on the board, and the defense to me is, you know, it's a question mark. I don't know a lot about them. I'm sure we'll be good because we're Ohio State. We're always good, uh, but how good we'll be in comparison to their offense, I'm, I'm interested in. So it's definitely a game I have circled on the calendar. Uh, the very next week is home versus Penn State. Uh, they are ranked 19th right now. Who knows how good or not good they will be. I love that it's at home because playing at Penn State is one of the scariest road environments uh, in, in all of college football. Uh, so that's that's a good stretch right there. Though That's two back-to-back weeks, October 23rd, October 30th, uh, two good games. So uh, close it out uh, with a, a pretty bad stretch again at Nebraska, home versus Purdue, home versus Michigan State, who seems to have really receded into the middle to lower tiers of the Big Ten. And then, of course, our last game is at Michigan, Saturday, November 27th, noon start time. And again, we we, we can't say it. We don't know enough right now to say what kind of game that's going to be. Uh, but again, I just – Andy, I'm almost to the point where, like, I kind of just want to lose to them and get it over with because I feel like I'm going to be just in a really – really foul mood in whatever year of our Lord we end up losing to Michigan again.
1: I mean, we're not the youngest guys in the world, right? I mean, realistically, our life expectancy is 40 more years. (laughs) We may not see it again.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm not the least bit worried about it. I mean, will we lose again someday in our lifetimes? Yeah, probably. But It doesn't have to be this year.
0: That's true. That's very true. Uh, All right. So I also have the AP poll and the coaches poll poll up. I'm not going to read it, uh, you know, top to bottom. The top five teams, Bama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, us at four, and then Georgia at number five. I think, you know, if you're going to say from the the playoff era, I mean, it's been these five teams uh, the whole way through. Uh, as the best teams in the country and has, you know, and definitely a gulf between them and everybody else. Uh, Is there anything that's jumping out at you uh, in these rankings besides that, that clutch group of the top five?
1: Yeah. I think if you hop down to uh, seven in the AP, it looks like eight in the coaches poll, Iowa state, the former Toledo, Head coach Matt Campbell has done a great job with that program. I mean, I know they've been decent in the Big 12. Not that that's saying a whole lot. and I mean, that's going to mean even less going forward here with the Big 12 being what it is. But I think that's one that jumps out as a team you don't usually see in the top 10. It's nice Cincinnati getting some top 10 love, which with the season they had last year, I, the last couple of seasons they've had, I guess that's not much of a surprise. They have been a good program, but that's always nice to see.
0: Um, I want to give a quick shout out to Mac Brown and uh, the North Carolina Tar Heels uh, at nine and 10 in the coaches and eight people respectively. Again, like, you know, he goes, to t- you know, he's at Texas forever. Uh, they win the championship while he's there, uh, you know, kind of really peters out towards the end when he leaves and then comes back to UNC, you know, definitely a basketball school and and has some success right away. Definitely a shout out the to Mac Brown there for that.
1: Yeah, North Carolina's been decent. I don't know if it's a product of being in the ACC or, I mean, which is not the best conference in the world. And I would never really expect them to get over the hump because I, Clemson has such a stranglehold on that conference. So it's tough to say how good they really are because they beat up on other competition, but, you know, then they lose to Clemson. But that that's a program that I think has has had a bit of a glow up over the last – I don't know, five years or so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And, you know, just other random notes. I mean, Coastal Carolina coming in at 22. uh, You know, you really see this is overwhelmingly. I'm checking here. It's almost completely power five except for Cincinnati, which I couldn't – what conference are they in these days? Would that be the AAC? The American, yeah, the AAC. The, the,
1: The ghost of the Big East.
0: Yeah, and then Coastal Carolina, and I think those are the only two non-power five schools, right? Utah's in the Pac-12 PAC these days. Back then, whatever they call themselves, Louisiana
1: down there at twenty-three.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, Louisiana. There we go. Well,
1: um, and then there's the uh, the team that foolishly refuses to join a conference, but I don't know if I need to talk about them.
0: <laughs> oh, shouldn't Notre Dame, Dame still be on like a permanent like? playoff ban after their performances like they need there needs to be a five-year moratorium on them ever being in the in the playoffs given how badly they've performed
1: yeah i mean i feel like notre dame is almost like the anti-vaxxers of college football like (laughs) you know you know what it is like don't you you can look at the science and see that you're not good but (laughs) i mean I, yeah i mean notre dame's out there trying to prove they belong in the playoffs with ivermectin so get out of here notre
0: oh, Dame. oh that's wonderful
1: fire coming at you very much fans listening and if they are i'm sure i'll hear from them
0: oh uh, <laughs> wonderful wonderful send your emails to buckeye discuss at gmail.com make sure you reference andy in the subject title please
1: yeah that's right fuck andy <laughs>
0: uh Anything, uh, in sports, uh, before we close this up and move on to our list of the week?
1: Nah, I mean, football, the football, <laughs> look at me. I've been watching so much soccer. I called it football. Um, I guess soccer for all you yanks out here has been wild. I think Messi just broke the matrix by winning an international tournament when he won the Copa America and this transfer window has been insane. Messi's at Paris. I think we talked about that last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo decided he really wants to live that industrial life in Manchester. It looked like for a while he was heading to Man City, which would have delighted me. And then he today decided he's actually making a return to Manchester United. So uh, Ronaldo back in the Premier League, it would be interesting to see what he does and really that, that top, top tier of English football. And uh, I'm a little curious to see just what happens to Spain. I mean, for so long, it's been, Barcelona versus Madrid, Messi versus Ronaldo. I know Ronaldo has been at Juventus for a couple of years, but I mean, the Spanish league is good, but it's losing Messi, losing Ronaldo and Messi over the last two, three years combined, I think is going to be a, a tough hit for that league. So it'll be interesting to see how the teams out of there, you know, how the Barcelona or the Madrid, probably whoever comes out of there in, in Champions League, how they stack up against some of those really top tier teams around the world. It's all I really had for sports otherwise.
0: Yeah, I mean the the Premier League kind of solidifies, you know, even more when you when you end up snagging Ronaldo and bringing him into the league. So, uh yeah, very curious to see, you know, if we see uh, you know, a larger exodus of people in the in the Spanish leagues going elsewhere, but uh yeah, I mean uh the soccer has definitely been exciting over the summer. It's just one more thing the Titus us over between the end of basketball and hockey season and now the start of football season so hey it's nice
1: too uh espn has picked up a ton of the league so premier league you're gonna have to go with peacock and nbc but for a lot of the european leagues including the spanish league including the german league that's all on espn plus if you have that so it is very easy to find a european match these days streaming in the u.s
0: good to know good to know you guys should all be you know, out there with your Hulu and uh Disney Plus and ESPN Plus uh bundles. So getting the getting the best of everything, cutting those cords. Come on, people, it's 2021. Let's go. All right, Andy. It is time. Let's move into our list of the week.
1: It's the list of the week.
0: Uh I actually, you know, to pull the curtain back a little bit, uh, you are one of the primary, you are the primary driver uh of generating these fun list of the week topics. Uh, I came up with this one though it's something that uh, you know again as a as a person in, in 2021 uh, you know what most people in our generation have some kind of history with video games it's not just a, it's not just a guy thing now uh, it's people of all uh, shapes and sizes uh, playing video games so we're gonna do not our top five. I couldn't cut it down to a top five. We're gonna do our top 10 favorite video games of all time nice so give the people a sense of your history like what was your first system you know kind of walk us through from start to end of you know what was your heyday with video games uh yeah how much have you played them
1: certainly more than i should we'll start there (laughs) (laughs) um i think my first system was a sega genesis i had a so growing up i remember distinctly having a sega genesis super nintendo i had a the original playstation a ps2 and then i switched over to to xbox when that generation came out with the 360 mm-hmm. um i probably played more computer games than you did so there were some games that i thought of uh that would have been a little bit more iconic on my list but the rules were no, they had to be playable on a console. So something like Counter-Strike, I think, would have been high on my list.
0: Yeah, that was the big one that I had in mind. And so, again, I'm a little bit prejudiced here. You know, gr- I grew up with, with dial-up internet, uh, as, uh, you know, most people of my age did. But we, we held on to it quite a bit longer than a lot of other households. You know, not the strongest typer in the world. Never really was able to do, uh, you know, the keyboard Uh, ASWD you know the APM the the clicking with the mouse and navigating the keyboard Uh, and again the the internet didn't help Uh, constantly having to fight over the computer didn't help Uh, so I so I put a ground rule uh, the game must have been playable on a video game console if no if only phone or computer uh, not allowed and then you are not able to take the entire franchise you must pick a single game out of a out of the video game franchise so uh yeah i i would say i was similar i start in the nintendo true nintendo sega super nes generation where a playstation house growing up ps1 ps2 uh, is where i'm at and then i also get a 360 in college some of those games will, will feature prominently on this list and then i kind of fall out like i feel like PlayStation to me is the clear winner of ps1 ps2 360 crushes ps3 in my opinion and I think the consensus seems to be ps4 killed the Xbox one but I I was not really involved uh, in that generation of, of gaming consoles very much I become a parent pretty early on and that's one of the sacrifices that kind of fell by the wayside on my end but yeah man we're 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 doing the systems through and through. My dad played the Atari back in the day. So we got introduced to, to video game systems pretty quickly. And if you're one of those people right now, it's just like, I'm not going to listen to this. Video games are childish. You have not played video games in the 21st century, because video games are fucking amazing.
1: Great statement.
0: And again, the genre is so wide that if you're just like, oh, you're just thinking of first person shooters, Uh, or oh you're just thinking of you know sports games Uh, there's so much that you can do not everything is competitive there's lots of co-op things you can do there's lots of story uh based things you can do the graphics are amazing there's so much replayability and so much time you can sink into these games just wonderful so uh do you want to either wrap us up on the topic at large and then get in your honorable mentions if you have any yeah i can hit us with the honorable mentions um
1: the grand theft auto 5 was my first one okay. so that was probably the, the best of that uh that series so spoiler alert there's no grand theft auto i have above it um like i said counter strike but that didn't fit the criteria otherwise that would have probably been a top five for sure okay um left for dead 2 thought that one was was pretty great with the zombies so I'd, i played that a bit with my sister so Actually, the last two I, I played both. So, Portal 2 is the other one. So, both of those, I think some of them were just a bit of the memories of playing with my sister. And, and that was a good time. But I thought Portal is one of those games. I, I think that one was just a little out there. It was just so different that yep. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. She was way better than me. I was kind of the, uh, the goon that would end up dying to, to get her to the the finish line. But those are, right. I could play my role. <laughs> um, but yeah, those, those were the honorable mentions I had.
0: Great, great. Yeah, those are definitely some good games that, that I played. Um, I I kept my I tried to keep normally I'm the person that commits list fraud and I just have you know an overflowing list with a ton of honorable mentions I'm going to keep it tight Hearthstone is a game for me that's my Counter-Strike it does not qualify because it's not something that I played on a console it's an electronic card game that I've been playing since the end of 2013 consistently it's my favorite genre of any game can't even tell you how many you know Hours and dollars I put into the game over the course of the last eight years. Love it, but it's not eligible to be on this list. Shooters were hard, narrowing down the shooters were hard. A game that did not make my list was GoldenEye for the N64, and it's so close. It was in very close competition. You know, it's a pioneer of its time, though, if you eventually once you get a couple systems down the line and you go back to it, the graphics are fucking awful. Uh, it's really hard to to go back and play. Uh, but it was amazing. I didn't get as much mileage out of it as some of the other first-person shooters on my list, which is why I didn't make it, uh, but it was right there. And then this is going to be the most shocking thing, Andy. Uh, I do not have a football, American football game in my top 10 list. Uh, They all kind of run together for me. I started out with Madden. I think it was maybe Madden 04. The Philadelphia Eagles had like a ridiculous secondary that I just love to play with and and intercept people. Uh, And, you know, you got got the years where Michael Vick is just unfair. He's so fast. You just run him every single play. Uh, College, again, you know, every year is good. I can't play as Ohio State as much as I want because they're too good and it's unfair. Lots of good games. There is a, you know, there is a sports game on my list, uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna rave about this uh, later on in the list. Uh, but I did not put either NCAA or Madden on my list, I may very well regret it by the time we're done.
1: Yeah, I would have thought GoldenEye and at least one football game would have been on your list. So I'm shocked, and I'm not gonna pretend like I can't see your list right now, but. Um, <laughs> I think I have some questions as your list unfolds.
0: That's because that's fair. In,
1: in the times that I've known you, it shocks me that you, you wouldn't have. Honestly, it shocks me that, that at least a football game and Golden, I would expect both of them to be on your list. So,
0: And I think I might have tried to be a little too generous in the fact that I did want to include a wide variety. I have a wide variety of genres on my list. Um, I really could have made this pretty sports and shooter heavy and again i might i might have some regrets about this list i might need to come back to it at a later date uh but that's where we stand right now on august 27th 2021 uh all right hit us up with number 10 on your list
1: uh number 10 on my list super nintendo won't be the last time that makes an appearance donkey kong country
0: great game great game
1: yep so with with the Switch and the Nintendo Online, there's a huge library of the Super Nintendo and the original NES games. Mm-hmm. So I'm currently getting to experience that with my kids again, like reliving the same games that I played as a kid with them mm-hmm. through the Switch. So you may see a little bit of that slant. Actually, actually, I guess that's the, there, I only have a couple on here that are from that Super Nintendo era, but it has been extremely fun to relive some of those games and, and replay some of those games and Donkey Kong country, I think is one of those that I spent hours and hours and probably if you added up the time, it was days or weeks on as a kid. So number 10, Donkey Kong country,
0: great game. I'm glad to see him represented uh, in the list. Number 10 for me is this is, this is my OG game. This is, we're going all the way back. Uh, Tetris. Nice. Uh, This is my, I just want to turn my brain off. I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to think. I just want to, you know, hit some buttons, move some pieces around. Uh, this was a game that my mom loved and and passed it on to me. Uh, there's You can get it for free on the Switch. Tetris 99, I believe it's called. Uh, you can compete against other people online at the same time, see who gets the highest score. I just do it for my own personal. You know, I just see how far I can get, see if I can keep improving. The theme song is Perfection. Number 10, Tetris, I Love You.
1: Classic. That's one of those games that even people that have played never played another video game have probably at least had an experience with Tetris. Yep. Uh, For number nine, I'm going to stick with the old school, but switching consoles to the Sega Genesis and the original Sonic the Hedgehog.
0: So this definitely should have been on my honorable mention list. And again, like I I may have skewed too late on how... uh, on the games that i picked but this was a a huge favorite in the stole household and it definitely is worthy of a list and i'm surprised it could even be higher so i'm curious to see what else you have on here yeah the the spin attack was fun yeah and just like getting fast enough to go around the 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 loops and the curves and everything uh yeah uh just again uh, you know uh uh, a pioneer in its time uh, definitely something that we got a ton of mileage out of back in the day so great great um I am going to pick as my next game I really should have put these in order but I'm gonna do this on the fly Tekken 4 so this is my like true fighting game on the list uh you know people have some people have Mortal Kombat uh some people have Street Fighter in our house we were a PlayStation house. We were a Tekken house. Fighting games are just a ton of skill. It's just, can do I know the combos? Can I execute the moves? I was definitely better at it than my siblings were and enjoyed being the snot out of them uh, in these games. Not a huge, I'm not like a fighting games kind of guy. Um, I do have something that I guess technically falls on this list uh, further up the ladder, uh, but this is my fighting game of choice, Tekken 4.
1: Yeah, that's a good choice. I didn't have any fighting games. I'm not a huge fighting guy, but Tekken was sweet. I mean, I, obviously, I played it, you know, from time to time, and I always, I wasn't very good because I didn't play it enough. But Tekken was a sweet game. Good
0: characters. Yep. Number, where are we up to?
1: Eight. Yep, I'm on eight. So I'm gonna go with the OG Guitar Hero.
0: Mm, yes, this will feature on my list as well. Uh, this so franch- I- this franchise, I should say.
1: Yeah, I think two is probably the more iconic game, but I was trash at two and I was a little bit better at one. So I enjoyed one a little bit more because I didn't get dominated as bad. I wasn't great at guitar here. I was probably the worst of us at it, but I still had a good time. And that that was a real revolutionary game in my mind.
0: OK, I'm going to ask you a question about uh about this genre of game. Uh, I also have guitar hero too i um I will put it on my list as we as we get to it uh it's not yet here at my at my number eight. uh why do we pick guitar hero games over rock band games because rock band was also something that came out when we were in college It obviously lets you play other instruments besides just the guitar. The answer for me is simple i I'm not coordinated enough to play the drums and I can't sing so the guitar was the only thing I was going to be doing anyway. Uh, but why do you have Guitar Hero over Rock Band? I never owned a rock band. Um,
1: yeah, so but think... it was
0: over in the quad, though, in our sophomore year when we were still in the dorms.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think to me it's just the fact that Guitar Hero was the one I owned, so that was the one I played more.
0: Yeah, fair fair enough.
1: I mean, I you know, after at night after a couple pops, I didn't mind playing Rock band. I like to sing. I obviously can't sing at all, but <laughs> did mean I didn't have a good time doing it, but I mean, rock band was a good time, but I mean, guitar hero is just easier. You didn't have to take, it it was easy to take a guitar over to somebody's house. You know, if you were traveling rather than pack up the drums, which are a little bit tougher, you know, they take up a little bit more space. So I don't know. I, and I think guitar hero just came out first. So it's what we were used to.
0: I, i i I agree i also picked the guitar hero game uh both of them were pretty fun again i could never play you, you know the drums at all just not coordinated enough for it um but yeah i love this game and i will have a story time about it a little bit later uh in this list my number eight uh i'm gonna i'm gonna do a hipster pick here right so for the racing genre you know, I would say the most popular answer to this is going to be Mario Kart. Well, you know, whatever your, whatever your version is. And again, that's a very worthy uh, answer. I will not object to it in any way whatsoever. However, my house was a PlayStation house. For me, we played a lot of Crash Bandicoot. And for me, that means Crash Team Racing. Uh, the original one for, I think it was the PlayStation 2. I loved this game and I was fucking good at it and and my and i and hilariously my my brother was actually the second best at it um and we would race against the the ghosts which like could basically like drive a perfect time or whatever try to beat our scores uh this is my racing game of choice not like anything fancy like the grand turismos not mario kart uh this is the game for me
1: Solid pick, man. I, I'm not sure I ever played Crash Team Racing, but I definitely remember coming over and either you being into it when I came over, I definitely remember your brother playing that when I was over.
0: Yep. That was his game of choice for a while.
1: Yeah. So I, I I think if you'd asked me what game do I associate with your brother, I'd have got that one right.
0: Yep. Uh, another, you wouldn't have known this because it was earlier, I think, but one of my brother's first video games was he loved to play we had tomb raider i think for the first playstation and he he loved to just like like walk into like a, a a pit of spikes and just like and just kill the character over and over again like in the most hilarious of ways and we would all nice. just sit around and laugh at you're just doing it over and over oh video games they're amazing uh, that's all i gotta say so uh number seven for you
1: no, it's funny that you put your racing game there because number seven for me is Mario Kart. Uh, I went with Mario Kart 8, which is the, the newest one that came out for the Switch, because mostly because Mario Kart just builds. So you still have all the classic tracks. So you have that like hard as shit Rainbow Road from yep. Super Nintendo. Yep. So it just takes the best tracks from throughout the game and then it just updates it with great gameplay. So, I mean, my guess is that whatever the latest Mario Kart is, is likely going to always be the best just because they do a really good job of sticking to the roots and you know it's a nod to all the past ones so i'm going with mario kart here
0: uh good answer again i don't have anything to uh to quibble about here the the mario kart story that jumps out to me as i was over at our friend uh obi and katie's house and i got sucked into some mario kart and uh, it was the college version where you had to finish your drink before you could you could start your race and uh, everybody else is doing beers and i did a uh jaeger and coke and uh i got pretty messed up that night so that's that's all i'll say about that um but again those are Mario, mario kart unassailable like it's the it's the racing game to me it just uh slightly got eked out on my list by Crash Team Racing so uh number seven for me I'm gonna get this out of the way now uh Guitar Hero 2 as you said I think the song list is just better in two versus one any of the any of them could have been fine uh but I love this game love playing the guitar and my story takes us all the way back to I believe we're still in I don't know if we're still in high school or if it's in the early years of college. But anyway, we're over at uh, Zach's dad's and Nick is still there. So he's still a part of the circle and we're playing Guitar Hero. And Nick was just Nick was ridiculous. And we're, you know, we're we're being competitive. We're getting fired up. Nick wins. Uh, He's standing. I'm sitting next to him. And he's and he does, he wins. And he turns to me and he says, Fatality. And he grabs the side <laughs> of my head. And he didn't mean to, I don't think, tonight, <laughs> but he need me right in the nose. Blood goes everywhere. Call my dad comes to get me, go to the ER, deviated septum. <laughs> it's the night of the Oklahoma, one of the Oklahoma Boise State games that I watched the end of in the hospital room and uh yeah my dad wasn't too thrilled with that night i wasn't particularly thrilled with how that night went but it was a great story uh that i got to tell over and over and uh yeah uh be be careful kids when you're playing guitar here. that's what i have to say <laughs> I,
1: I do remember that <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know I i didn't know where you were going at the beginning i don't think i've remembered that story consciously in a long time so it was it was like being there and not being there at the same time that was i do remember that though. wouldn't be the last deviated septum
0: <laughs> no no <it> wouldn't. <laughs> wow. good times good times uh number six for you
1: oh that's great number six for me um we sports okay so i didn't know i was as big of a nintendo nerd as this list is turning out uh, to be but I think Wii Sports is classic again, another one of those innovative ones and uh easy to learn, hard to
0: master. Okay. What what are your particular what are your particular games of choice on that?
1: I mean, I think bowling is another one of those fun ones that, like, you know, you can play with your parents. You could play bowling. We bowling probably with your grandparents. It's just so intuitive. I mean, that was like the first game I ever played with my kids was Wii Sports, because that's super easy, but we still enjoy like a family round of golf.
0: Yeah. Okay. It, it, it
1: takes a little bit of touch. So, I mean, we, we still have a, Wii hooked up upstairs that, you know, we, we dust off. And I think Wii sports is about the only game we ever play, but it's, it's enduring. So I, we sports, I think is just a fun game. Like I said, I, I think golf and bowling are definitely cut above the rest of the games on there. I, I think the boxing is pretty whack. I think the tennis is all right, but I think those two are
0: our world-class games. Did you ever have any uh dicey situations with the controllers flying out of anybody's hands? Shockingly, no. Good, good. <laughs> a broken TV would be pretty awful.
1: Yeah, I, I would have expected more uh just just more hijinks with those than, but no, it's it's actually been pretty reasonable over hundreds and hundreds of games. So that's not to say that I won't come back, you know, next podcast and have a good story, but no, so far uh incident free.
0: Good to good to know. Um Number 6 for me, Mass Effect 2. So this is my story one player uh genre game. Mass Effect three games I believe in the series. I don't think I ever finished the third one, but one and two were just amazing. And this is the role playing game. This is, you know, you go through uh you have different scenarios depending on how you respond to them. It kind of changes your story. It's a one player game. Mass Effect 2 is basically like you know, Star Wars, Star Trek, it's space adventure type game. Mass Effect 2's main, you know, appeal is it's a, it's a getting the team together story. And I'm a huge sucker for getting the team together storylines in literature. So this game is wonderful. Um, you know, it has a certain replayability factor because again, it, the, the story is kind of dictated by who you have on your team and what what missions you're doing and what your responses are. Uh, but definitely a, a great one-player game that if you just want to sink a whole ton of time into a game, Mass Effect One, Mass Effect Two, uh, Mass Effect Three, I would recommend it.
1: Yeah, I haven't I haven't played that one, but I think you just did a really nice sales job, and uh,
0: I might have to pick that one up. Yeah, I think you can probably find a. You know, it was an. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it was Xbox exclusive or if it was also a PlayStation game. Uh, probably find a uh you know a, a three games of one uh version at some point now that it's been out for a while. So uh definitely something that I would give a shot. I definitely enjoyed it.
1: Yeah much like Game of Thrones, I'll be living, you know, 10, 15 years in the past. <laughs> oh
0: wonderful. Uh number five for you.
1: Number five for me is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And I'm gonna go with two. Oh okay. that was a tough choice between one and two because one was classic. But I think two was the slightly better game.
0: So I would play these games with other people who had them. I never had like an X game skateboarding phase again. The whole coordination thing. I just couldn't really do it. Uh, I know it was very popular uh, amongst people of our age. Soundtracks of these games, just wonderful. Just like legendary. You you just play forever Uh, and super cool. Like this is uh, I appreciate this genre of game while recognizing that i didn't play it very much because i don't think i would have been very good at it uh but definitely worthy of a. Anyway, we're getting into the meat and potatoes now we're in the top five and this is definitely a worthy inclusion for sure oh i am in trouble now i'm going to put man all right i'm gonna save it i'm gonna split it up a little bit number five for me halo 2 this is the game for me in the halo franchise this was the game that made me split off from the PlayStation family and, and get an Xbox in college. Everybody had one. Everyone was playing Halo two shotguns, uh, snipers, energy swords, you name it, uh, battle rifles. This was the game for me. Uh, this was, I think this is technically my first first person shooter that I really fall in love with. I played, i played goldeneye you know decent amount but i wouldn't say i was as thoroughly into it as halo 2 this is the toss up spot right here it was i thought long and hard about goldeneye versus halo 2 but i think i just have so many more memories with halo 2 uh in college playing with the guys and that's why it takes the spot for me
1: yeah that's a classic game um I was trash at that game so that's a big part of why it's not on my list but you know I I played with you guys I gave you guys a couple easy kills every time I would run around (laughs) and try and find the swords and figure out how that shit worked but I mean that's that's definitely if you think about the all-time greatest games objectively I would think Halo has to be on that list so
0: yeah I I, it's it's pretty non-controversial statement I would say it's definitely way up there so all right man it's getting hard though we're moving in uh number four for you yeah so
1: we're gonna go on a little bit of a sports run here number four for me is uh where fifa comes in classic and i'm going with fifa 10
0: okay i need you to clarify for me yeah we started i think with fifa the 2010 world cup version is was that also the year that would like But then we quickly moved on to actual, just FIFA. Whatever year was it? Ten, or I thought it was maybe a year or two later. Do you remember?
1: I think ten is the first one that we really played.
0: Okay, I think
1: I don't. I don't think that was the one we played the most, but I would say that's the one we played first.
0: Okay, then I'm going to join you. This is this is where I would put it. I didn't. I had it originally as FIFA twelve, but I think you were correct, FIFA ten. This is also number four for me. Uh, I'm going to make one quick uh, statement and then I'll let you dive in a little bit further. Football games, certainly worthy. uh, and, And we're about to see some on your list, I'm sure. But of all the sports to have a video game for, soccer is just, wow. Like this is really the thing that kind of ignited my love for the sport. And I even casually followed it for a little bit. And it was because soccer video games are wonderful. And you wouldn't
1: expect it. I mean, there's so much that goes, I mean, 11 guys on each side moving. I I wouldn't have expected it to be as good as it was, but yeah, damn. Like I think FIFA might be like the best sports game.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think it is. I
1: I mean, it, it somehow they were able to translate it so well. Maybe it's just that we don't know enough about soccer to know that it doesn't translate well. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> maybe it doesn't, and we just don't know enough to know. But in terms of having fun playing a sports game, FIFA was – that was it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you and I – it was something that you and I started playing, you know, over Xbox Live. Uh, we, we we got a ton of miles out of these games. my. And, again, that first game that we played, I believe it was 10, that was – you know, you had – uh Drogba and Fernando Torres on Chelsea. They were my team. Fernando Torres, just a little bit. He, you know, he had a little bit of that Michael Vick speed. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> I uh, this Casillas. This was, yes. Oh man, unstoppable. <laughs> when you played Madrid. <laughs> yes, just ridiculous angle. We we got a lot of use out of these games, and I just think of all the sports games. I think I think the soccer games really do. Uh, football is is a pretty clear number two for me. Uh, hockey, I, I'd actually say basketball is, is for like hockey, hockey video games, I think are more fun than basketball. I just, I'd never got into a basketball game. Uh, and I've never really tried any of the baseball games. Uh, but soccer for me is a clear cut. Number one.
1: Yeah. We, we had some battles.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, again, I feel like the games did a good job of like, only if one of us got tilted, would it usually be like a blowout? Like yeah. if we were playing two two teams of comparable skill level, like you know, you, you could still have definitive winners, but it would usually only be if one of us like threw a controller or whatever that like, and we were so tilted that the games get completely out of hand. I just cannot say enough good things about these games.
1: Yeah, it never felt unfair. If if you lost, you generally deserved it.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, uh, we're at number three for you. Number three for me,
1: so she talked about how great uh, soccer video games are, but number three for me is NCAA 06. Totally fair. And I think a lot of that is just the memories again. I mean, FIFA was mine in your game, but if we're talking about all the boys, yes. it was NCAA 06.
0: That's true. That is for sure true.
1: I think I have ridiculous memories with every single person it, from, oh, I dropped this controller. <laughs> To uh, the <laughs> night that, that, that Stan hooked up the the projector TV and he put, goddamn, uh, Devin Hester at quarterback yep. and ran yep. the option and scored probably four hundred points on me. I, I, I think there's a memory of, like I said, of of every single guy playing some sort of uh, and it was NCAA six. That was the definitive game of the series for me.
0: Okay, I have a question for you. Did you prefer playing? football games on the playstation or on the xbox playstation yeah that's that is the clear-cut winner for me i just feel like the games felt like the the movement felt a little bit more fluid and a little bit faster uh, yep. it, it, and it was i think very noticeable between the two systems everything just felt slower on xbox and i enjoyed the playstation action quite a bit more
1: the jukes felt slow motion on the xbox
0: yep yeah. yep i agree uh this this probably i mean this is this should have made my list i mean uh you know i i knock off tetris as the novelty pick and and move it honorable (laughs) mention but uh yeah again we had we played we played a lot of this in high school and into the college years and uh definitely a great time so all right these top three are tough i'm gonna go number three pokemon blue for the game boy Pokemon became this crazy, crazy thing when we were of a certain age. The card game, uh, you know, came out, and you know it. You know, people wanted to collect cards. People wanted the to play uh, with the cards as a card game. But Pokemon Blue for the Game Boy, or Pokemon Red, if that was the kind of the person you were, eventually Pokemon Yellow, and a bajillion sequels thereafter. Just was a game that I played, I sunk so many hours into, ignited my love for Pokemon that I have now passed on to my my son uh who loves it. you know we got let's go Pikachu, he's got Pokemon Sword and Shield uh the Pokemon fandom still burns bright in this household, and it started with Pokemon Blue for the game boy uh a game which I logged a ton a ton of hours on
1: yeah, that's a great pick i the only reason that, that that didn't make my list is I never played it like in real time on mm-hmm. like I had a game boy. I just never played it until years and years later. And it probably would have been red would have been the one I would have went with. Nothing yeah. makes any difference between the two of them, right. but yep. that's, that's a great pick.
0: Yeah. And again, I wanted to give a little love to the game boy. You know, usually we're thinking consoles, but uh uh some of the portable stuff has just been amazing. Like again, let's, let's take it. Let's take a brief moment right here to sing the praises of the Switch one more time. So versatile. Such a great game collection. Uh, And man, having a Game Boy back in the day, being able to play it in the car when you're on a a road trip or something, just great. Absolutely. All right, we're getting close to the end. Number two for you.
1: Number two, and and so this is another one of those Super Nintendo games that, that me and my son, we just replayed through and we just beat Bowser's Castle, Super Mario World. I think that's the best Mario game. You got the Yoshis. You got the different, Oh, you know, a little bit of the adventure where you can take the different paths, unlock the secret, you know, Star Road, those kind of things. So Super Mario World, to me, is the best Mario game. And you got to have one of, like, the classic side-scrolling Marios on there. So that's number two for me.
0: Yeah, I don't have one, and it's largely just because that is not something that caught on with my son i probably easily could if i just pushed it i think we might have one of those games in the in the the switch uh catalog uh but we've uh, i'm about to give a a a mario related uh title here in a second um but yeah i mean this is this is what starts it all for so many kids uh just you know you can't you, you can't separate mario and video games. Uh, and it's just you know something that we've gotten so much mileage out of 100%. Uh, so this game probably would have been lower on my list, but it has seen a huge resurgence now that my son is of a certain age and we enjoy playing this game together. And it's one of our favorite things that we do together. Uh, I am taking the Super Smash Brothers franchise, I will pick a specific game the specific game is the original game for me came out for the n64 uh the, we're currently on super smash brothers ultimate which is what i play with my son uh they have just horribly horribly depowered kirby over the years and he is ridiculous in the original game uh, but this is technically a fighting game but obviously you don't have the blood and the gore in this game you take some of nintendo's best characters including mario including Bowser, including Donkey Kong, Kirby, and, and Pikachu, and Yoshi, and, and, and a host of others. It's grown and grown over the years. Uh, and you and you and people fight, and people get items, uh, and it's just so much fun. Uh, it was a great game uh, that we played in, in college, uh, and then uh, my sons uh, really got into it. We we spent time unlocking all the characters together. Uh he now really can give me a run for my money. If I'm not playing my top tier lineup, uh if I'm experimenting with some characters I'm not familiar with and he's playing his good team, he can certainly beat me if I'm if I'm going all out even. Uh just a, a joy to behold, uh sharing the experience of video games with my kids. Uh Super Smash Brothers OG uh is number two for me.
1: Nice that's another game i've always been trash at but i we we've been strongly considering the switch version so
0: just just, Sounds just like it's a good great pickup. and there's some other modes too like i have not really explored them at all but there's like a kind of a campaign more like you wander around type dealio or whatever so it might be something worth checking out for that kind of value as well but uh yeah I, I, again it's usually you got four people eat and you put them all on a level and you see who can beat the snot out of each other. It's uh really, really fun. Nice. And that brings us to your number one.
1: Number one for me, my favorite game of all time, Fallout three.
0: Yeah. I, I could have guessed this one for you.
1: Yeah. That was not a, not, not tough. If you <laughs> know the games I play, Um, it's, a bit adventure, it's a bit RPG, there's elements of first person shooter. The the moment when you first come out of the vault. So, you know, your character has been sealed inside a vault for his entire life and you know that I think the entire lives of at least his parents, if not more. So you're in kind of this dark underground environment. You play, it's basically a tutorial where you go through the little vault or whatever. But when you first come out and see this post-apocalyptic Washington, D.C. with like, you know, you can see the nuclear fallout just twinkling down like snow. And you can see the monsters scurrying around. It is just one of those visually impressive moments of like, holy shit, this game's going to be an adventure. So um similar to the way you describe mass effect i don't i don't know if this you know i haven't played mass effect so i can't really yeah. compare but j- just the idea of you kind of make your own adventure you know you kind of the way you interact with people matters uh it matters with how other characters see you whether you know you're good evil neutral those sort of things so it, it's one of those games that you can get a ton of replay out of because you can play it you know you can build your character different and play it different ways and like I said, I, I I I love the history elements of it. So, you know, it is set in a post-apocalyptic Washington, D.C. So you can explore the ruins of the Smithsonian. It, it, it just checks a lot of boxes for me. So I, I think it's a great game.
0: Yeah. Mass Effect is, is very similar. I think Fallout is is the skin, is the world that you would like more. And obviously, it's number one on your list. Uh, so I think, you know, I don't think you're going to enjoy it more than you would enjoy fallout but it is that same type of exact same exact type of game just kind of a different setting uh, i'm sure the p- the play style of the missions and, and whatnot are in the story are different but yeah same type of game uh fallout i mean obviously is another one of those uh pillars of of video games um and yeah great choice great choice similarly 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 uh If you were to guess what my number one game was going to be, if you knew me at all in my college years, this would be very obvious. Number one, easily, Call of Duty 4, the first Modern Warfare game. I put not hours, not days. I had weeks of playtime on this game. Uh, I actually tried last night to go into, log into my Microsoft account and see if I could Pull up. They used to keep track of your 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 play hours uh for different games as part of like your gamer tag or whatever. Couldn't find mm-hmm. it. But I'm mm. I was definitely in the like 20-something days of playtime. The last time I remember like thinking about that stat back in the day. You know, this game came out when I was in college. I could not get enough of it. Again, you go up you start at level one and you get up to level 55 and then you can prestige and start all the way at bottom. I ended up getting through all 10 prestige levels up to the golden cross 55, the M 16, the RPD. Those were my two go-to guns. The M four was great. The P 90 submachine gun. I put so many hours into this game and then into this franchise the Modern Warfares, uh, you know, and, and a bunch of other different uh, versions of Call of Duty. First-person shooters, they're just, eventually you get too old and you kind of age out of the out of the genre. Like, literally, my reflexes just aren't good enough anymore. And the few times I've tried to play, it just makes me frustrated compared to my heyday. But man, the first-person shooter genre, wow, I can't believe how many hours I spent playing. And I wouldn't exchange them because they were super fun.
1: Yeah, modern the the first modern warfare was a sick game.
0: Just, I, I
1: think I think if I were trying to go objective and not just my favorite, that would absolutely be a top three.
0: Just look good, it played good, it felt yep. good. You know, again, you know, for those people who really want that realistic setting or whatever, like we're not going back to one of the world wars, we're not in space, we're not, you know, shooting dragons, like it's just Plain old straight up modern time frame. Let's go, uh, and I wow, just so many hours. I, I think the best thing about that game to me
1: was it was it it felt very fair. Yeah, like it was balanced. You know, there if you got killed, you deserve to get killed. If if you killed somebody, you know, most of the time it wasn't something cheap. Maybe if you had like the the. Uh, rifle grenades or whatever were you know those were a little bit weak but i mean i feel like most of the time you got what you deserved in that game and it was very fair whether you were playing you know locally or you know that was one of the first really big online games
0: yeah i mean one of the big problems that i remember from this particular franchise which is really kind of you know endemic to first person shooters that you're playing online is like you can spawn camp and you could just like have some really bad luck with where you appear on the map I was always a Call of Duty guy over a Battlefield guy. Uh, I wanted to be able to immediately jump back in. I preferred more of the team deathmatch, just get some kills modes instead of the more objective-based capture-the-flag type modes. But you certainly had the option to play those in Call of Duty as well. Man, so many, so many hours.
1: Like you said, wouldn't trade them. Don't want them back. They they were well-spent.
0: So this makes me a little sad because this is one of those things that has, uh, you know, again, my my first person shooter days are over for now, at least. Uh, Again, there will be a time and a place where my my sons get to an age where maybe this will come back um, and I will dust off my boomer APM and see if I can get back in the game. Uh, But video games have been a wonderful shared experience with uh, my oldest son again super smash brothers really high up on the list for me uh you know it sounds like you've had some experiences one of my favorite uh andy 2021 tweets was you uh uh pronouncing to the world when your kids ask you what position you're in when you're playing mario kart
1: and what was your (laughs) what was your answer you know i'm in first
0: the answer is i, I, I don't i don't remember the first. exact
1: tweet i'm always just, in first yeah
0: yes <laughs> i'm lapping you i'm not i'm not giving you any mercy not a chance I, i'm gonna crush you and I'm, and that's and the way that's we're, the way it should be that's the way it should be
1: we're going four races and i'm putting up a 60
0: yep exactly
1: i did it this i i did it uh two three hours ago
0: yep so again just wonderful um i uh, I'm curious to see where you know video games go. Event you know we have the VR that'll be coming down the pike at some point. Uh, my oldest son, uh, you know, has has watched some of his uh, has watched his uncle and uh, you know a second cousin or whatnot play Fortnite. So on the smart TV, he he put on five five minutes of Twitch and watching Fortnite before my wife's eyes bulged out of their skull and, and that got turned <laughs> I saw that off. Tweet. <laughs> uh, luckily we I put on a Japanese streamer so there was we didn't have to worry about the the language component of you know the, all the swearing and horrible garbage that, that can come on on those team chats. You know, we were getting late in the day so it was kind of primetime hours over across the ocean. Uh, so who knows where video games are going. Uh, I am very much looking forward to it. Uh, in the twilight of my life i i certainly won't mind once the kids are gone and moved out i mean yeah i'll be sitting down and i'll be playing whatever whatever we got for video games uh at that time so
1: yeah you probably just have to plug them straight in your eyeballs or something by the time we get old enough to to yeah. sit down and play video games yeah, <laughs> regularly t- again
0: <laughs> yeah but i'll have to turn on my neural implant and yep. dive into whatever the next game is so
1: fully immersive experiences
0: All right, Andy, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. I want to remind everybody that we're going to be reviewing Kirk Herbstreit's book, Out of the Pocket. If you want to grab a copy of that, support your local bookstores. I may or may not have gotten my copy off of Amazon, but you know, it is what it is. But you
1: shouldn't. Go support your local bookstores.
0: (laughs) Go support your local bookstores. Uh, Said by a guy who gets all of his books from Barnes & Noble or Amazon. Uh, But uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, be on the lookout for the start of college football. We'll be keeping track of the Buckeyes like, like always. The NFL is right around the corner. Uh, and again, wear your mask, get vaccinated, and uh, hopefully we can stop talking about COVID.
1: Someday we'll get there.
0: All right, Andy, this has been another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss, and we'll talk to you guys later.
1: Stay safe, Ohio.
0: Buckeye Dads Discuss is a podcast hosted by Andy and Josh. It's edited by April. You can find us on social media at Buckeye Dads on Twitter, and you can email the show at buckeyedadsdiscuss at gmail dot com.